we have to have a funeral. Why? I found a baby bat. Aww. And it's dead. I have it hidden so y'all can see it. Then we're going to bury it with a cross. Jan was all upset because she found this uh, really, uh, I would not even call it a baby bat yet. It was still embryonic. Yeah, I feel bad if a kitten dies, but I'm looking at this slimy back on. Uh, yeah, okay, that's real sad. You know, bury that thing before flies get all over it. You guys gonna have the funeral, right? Yeah. Okay. You're invited, I'll send a card and some flowers. Hello, and welcome back to the Survivor Historians, the greatest thing that has ever happened to the internet ever. I am Mario Lanza. Who said you could lead this podcast? I'm leading this podcast. Fine, start over. Go, Jay. All right, Mario, lead us in. Yeah, whatever, Moo Cow and Fat Albert. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Survivor Historian. Uh, brought to you today by Jay Fisher, the greatest person who has ever lived. There you go. Do That's I, well done. Do I not get an introduction here at all? No, fuck you. <laughs> I was going to say, and I'm Paul Oselson, and I my enthusiasm for this podcast could fill a hundred kitchens right now. That's how excited I am. Oh. <laughs> I like to, I like, we are, it's good to know that you're using a, a, a unit of measurement that is ELF approved. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes, yeah, so welcome back to uh, part two of our Mega Thailand podcast. And you know, guys... They said it couldn't be done. They said, no way could you fill three shows on a season as horrible as Thailand. But we beg to differ. Well, you know, I mean, we, ha- we have to fill it up for as much as Clay is tall. <laughs> is he about two kitchens tall? <laughs> he's like point two kitchens tall. <laughs> well, they have small kitchens where he's from. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, we have, we have not even gotten to the fall of Gandia yet. I mean, we could do a whole two hours on, uh, on just Gandia, so we really have to push ourselves to get through this season. All right, well... well, you know, well wait, hold on, hold on. We can do two hours on Gandia, or do you think Ted can do two hours on Gandia? <laughs> well, it depends how... I don't know what the rate of sexy biting is these days. Is it, I mean, how long does I think he take? can do... A- he can do about 45 minutes with permission, and then after that he gets pushed away and screamed at. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, as per last time with uh, Thailand here, this is kind of the Jay Fisher show. We're kind of letting Jay lead this one. So I will turn it over to the bearded hat guy himself, ladies and gentlemen, Jay Fisher. Hey. All right. That's good. So I have to say uh, we've, we've gotten a lot of good responses on the first part. Well, actually, I'm just guessing because I know that, Mario, you probably get a lot of fan mail about this. And, Paul, you probably get a lot of fan mail. I don't get fan mail, but I'm just going to imagine that uh, reviews are good for the first one. So let's keep it going, huh? Hang on. I'm playing a small violin here for Jay, not getting any fan mail. <laughs> yeah, I'm crying. <laughs> okay. so If you'd like to send Jay a pity email, you can contact him through Facebook. Pity emails are great. You know, it's it's better to send me a message through Facebook than to send Mario an email at his, you know, really old ass AOL.com. I mean, does that even still exist? Holy crap. I am the last guy on AOL, yes. I'm the, I'm holding down the fort. It's a nice throwback to Survivor Thailand, an era when <laughs> AOL was still acceptable. Yeah, me and the spam bots, we just kind of hook up and we talk about it all the time. We talk about Thailand. So... When we last left off, we had uh, a fake male versus female game. We had uh, Rob bringing a skateboard. We had, uh, you know, attack zone wonderment, and we have to know, uh, you know, the appropriateness of sexy biting. 
So we left off on all that stuff, and Hermie the Elf went home, and now we have to go on to episode four without Jed. And this is sad, but we're going to have to soldier on, people. Piss on him. They got rid of Jed, piss on him. <laughs> I was going to say, we still have Stephanie, so that was a perfect transition there. <laughs> I have to say, I will say, I know how much Jay loves when I bring up my stories, but when I wrote my uh, Survivor story, uh, All-Star Grease, and, and Stephanie was one of my characters, I had the hardest time trying to figure out what kind of hook I could give her as a character. Like, you think of Stephanie, you don't think of anything. She had nothing m- uh, memorable about her as a character. And I remembered this quote. Where at the start of episode four, she goes, they got rid of Jed, pissed them. And for some reason, that became my hook in my story. That's how I identified Stephanie. So for anybody who's ever read my story, Stephanie says piss on him at least 15 different times in the story because that was her one hook. So there you go, your episode four trivia. Yeah, well, going into episode four, you didn't think Stephanie Dill could get any pissier, but she does. <laughs> oh, yes. She's a bright ray of sunshine, that one. Yeah, it, it's tough. And it, it's tough to, it is tough to garner the... Uh the sympathy for Stephanie because she and Jed were just angry at their tribe from day one. And then the tribe, not surprisingly votes out Jed the first time they get to tribal, you know, to tribal council there. And then, uh, she's upset by it. You know, I mean, that small violin is probably playing for Stephanie too. (laughs) Poor Jeb, which is sad. And then, you know, we smash cut over to Chewy gone and, uh, you know, we're, we're in the, we're in the, the post grind gate era. And, uh, you know, in a, in a he said, she said sort of situation, it's fun to see uh, that Gandhi is on the outside there. I, I guess you could kind of, if you had to sum it up, it would be like, you know, if um, if Chuigan was a body, then uh, Gandia was the arm <laughs> and the leg that got bit off by a shark, and now it's not there no more. <laughs> That's how I'd well, probably yeah. describe the situation. Which doesn't really work, because the, <laughs> she's still there, so it's like we need like a, <laughs> I don't know, like a severely, like, wounded arm on the body or something. You know, something that's still kind of, you know, barely attached to the tribe, but it's still there. But a uh, nice try on that one, Gandia. Gandia needs metaphor practice. <laughs> it's a great metaphor. I am, uh, I am something that is not here. <laughs> I'm here, but I'm something that's not here. Yeah, you know, looking at this episode, you know, as a whole, it's kind of interesting because... After Sukjai gets back here, they we, they make this comment about how I think Penny is the one to say that, you know, I never want to go back to Tribal Council again. We're not going to do that. And so this episode is kind of like, kind of, you know, Sukjai gets this, this second win. You know, they had gone on this this winning streak and then they kind of fall off next episode. So this episode is kind of about Sukjai doing somewhat of a rebound. And then we, you know, we're dealing with all these problems at Chewigon. We kind of, after we get through this episode, we kind of, you know, we're able to put a bookmark there for the problems with Chewigon that we aren't going to see you know, these wounds at at Chewigon reopen until we get down to the final five. And so we're just going to see, you know, uh, a complete demolition of of the Sukjai tribe. So it's kind of interesting how this episode is kind of placed right, you know, a little bit out of order here because we we kind of get, you know, because last episode we saw Sukjai kind of start going downhill. Well, we kind of go backwards a couple episodes in, in this episode. So, yeah, it's interesting how this episode plays out. I have to say, at the start of this episode, I think it's like the first five minutes, one of my all-time underrated funniest Survivor moments. This is something, I don't know if even you guys will remember. It's really subtle. It's the scene where Gandia is sitting at camp, and she's complaining that everyone hates her, and you know, they are, they're treating me like I'm invisible, and I got no place on this tribe anymore. And she's sitting right next to Jan, and Jan's like eating something that's black. I don't know what she's eating, some kind of shellfish or something. And when Gandia is complaining, and it's a legitimate gripe, where Gandia says, you know, they don't, they don't like me here anymore. Jan looks over at her and she smiles like Gandhi is kidding. 
But Jan's got this mouse its mouth full of gross black food. And she does the nastiest <laughs> smile. Don't you see what I'm talking about, Paul? Well, n- now that you say that, I, I do kind of – I've never really, you know, thought about it that much. I'm going to have to go back and, and rewatch it because I can picture Jan's big grin, but yeah. I can't picture the stuff all over her teeth. Yeah, it's, the, it's the creepiest smile because Jan is just kind of odd looking to start with, and she and she doesn't get the context of what Gandhi is saying. Give her a break. So she's she's ninety years old, Mario. Give her a break. Yes. But seriously, if anybody wants to see a an underrated funny scene, just watch that scene with Gandhi complaining and Jan smiling and laughing like like she thinks it's a joke. Except Jan's mouth is full of food and it's just disgusting. I really enjoy as well because we're basically getting into the next little bit here. And the next little bit of this episode is the reward challenge. And uh, this reward challenge I actually enjoy quite a bit, even though it's sort of anticlimactic in its practice. And that is they each get a huge ass, like, dummy, you know, a, 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 a human shaped thing. It's like 200 pounds or some crap. You and, lie. Uh, Oh, you lie. No, it's, it's so huge. There's back there big as your ass. Big as your ass. <laughs> Bigger than Clay, which is great. I like how Clay's like, it's as big as your ass, and he's talking to somebody else because he's like, it's clearly bigger than I am because I'm half a human. Well, it's probably Ted because he technically would have had the biggest ass. So if you're looking from a pure realism perspective, he was probably talking to Ted. Well, you know, Ted's ass is for grinding, Mario. It's a special <laughs> instrument. If he's grinding with his ass, he's doing it wrong, dude. We, we've, we've already covered this. Okay, just checking. <laughs> so they get this dummy, and what's fun is that, you know, now it's kind of an arts and crafts session. They get this dummy, they get some paints and stuff like that, and uh, the, the clue says, you know, hey, you have a new tribe member. Dress it up, make it pretty, take it to the next challenge. And usually when you get this arts and crafts, a lot of times you get people kind of going like, Ooh, arts and crafts. We got the fun totem scene in Survivor Australia that I believe we made fun of quite a bit. And what's great is that we get to this thing, and it's not even like they're they're uninterested, because sometimes with arts and crafts projects on Survivor, either they're like super interested or they're uninterested. I got the feeling that like both tribes, like they got this thing and they're like, Okay. Here's this freaking dummy. All yeah, right. this, this is this is one of those scenes that never really did it for me because I know it was one of those they hyped it up in the previews and oh they get a new member of their tribe this week and it's one it's like you said like none of the players are all that interested in it well so it just kind of falls flat well there's not too much to make fun of on Chewy God because they just kind of okay get into it woohoo we're gonna make her Chewy gal we're so creative and then it just gets <laughs> over to Soup Chai and just kind of this depressing well what do you want to do I don't know. And then it turns into everyone just watching, you know, Stephanie come up with this character all by herself. And so it's, and yeah, I, it's one of those scenes that never really takes off. And watch the camera work on the Soup Jai one because they've got like Stephanie and these, they, they, they show her like these kind of zoom in on her face and then her eyes are kind of like looking off in the distance like, you know, she's pondering this thing. And then somebody's luxury item was, I don't know if it was Stephanie's or whose, but it was a pen and paper. And so and then she's drawing on the paper, looking off into space, <laughs> drawing they, inspiration, and kind yeah. of drawing this thing, and you look down, and it's this, like, horrible stick figure kind of thing, <laughs> and you're just like, what, what the balls? Like, this, this, isn't, this isn't adding up to the drama of the shots that's going on to this. You are, you are not doing cinematography proud here, Stephanie. But what any, good, but what any good, you know, Sukjai scene in Survivor Thailand needs is some kind of bitchy comment from uh, Xi'an about how... Uh, about how Stephanie just, nope, she didn't want any help, didn't want anything, no. I mean, it looks great, don't get me wrong, but um, wasn't a team effort at all. 
Well, yeah, because you know what? What the season needed was more Stephanie character development. Because you know the, <laughs> that's what the audience was craving this, at that point. This was Stephanie's breakout scene. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I love about that scene is is uh, I, I hadn't even thought of that stick figure thing. That's hilarious. But but uh, how several times during that scene they mention how the the warrior's name is going to be Genghis or something like that. Uh huh. It's then not. they get to the challenge, yeah, then they pull the switcheroo, and all of a sudden it's Otarat. It's Otarat. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> Where did that come from? But I, yeah. I thought it was funny. There's no transition in the middle there. Yeah, there, there's no transition. And, and, you know, Stephanie makes the thing. It looks kind of like, you know, Genghis Khan, you would think, like a Mongolian warrior. And it actually looks really good. You know, it, the end product is nice. I'm always looks better a- than Chewy Gal. Now, now, <laughs> Paul, a coconut bra is very, very tasteful. Okay. But yeah, it, it's 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 done really well. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, looks good. Last time I saw a Mongolian that accurate was on South Park. Nice. That's right. You nice. stole my shitty walls. <laughs> oh, shitty walls. People are gonna get that joke, but it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get that one. But did you got did you got even stand a chance in this challenge? I mean, like we could have just given the bananas to Sukjai here. <laughs> right, and, and that's oh, right. the whole yeah. thing is, is is that we 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 have this you know dr- dramatic you know the the building of the large dummy, and then they get to the challenge, and it's another one of these like here's a small island we're going to go around the whole island dragging this freaking freaking <laughs> dummy, and the the challenge goes, and Sukjai just wins. Like yeah. you're going for a walk, and we're gonna film it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, there, there's an awesome. Uh, uh, a hell and tumble scene that just looks like it just kills as she like lands like flat on her back on these sharp rocks. Um, now, but... did you like that one? She, Helen's not that old. So did, did you like? <laughs> I that mean, one? I would have preferred Jaya, but I mean, she's middle age. I'll take it. I mean, I'm not going to be picky when it comes to women falling down on the show. So, um, but yeah, no, Jay's right here about this challenge. There's nothing that particularly interesting about the challenge, but you know, once we get to the end of the challenge here, the the most exciting part is uh is the rant we get from Gandhi afterwards. But I don't want to jump ahead here if we need to talk about how great those bananas were. Yeah, you're skipping. You're glossing over the fact that Rob Zabaknik really loves bananas. Yes, that will come into play later on. Key I'm... key part of the season. I love bananas, dude. These are like my favorite fruit ever now. Yeah. yeah, bananas are my new favorite food, by the way, dude. <laughs> he was he was excited. It was it was good. It's it's good to see you know some emotion out of Rob because my God, we haven't had it before. I'm really I'm really last... I'm really glad the bananas could help break him out of his shell. <laughs> I was gonna say I love how we spent the last 15 minutes completely trying to make this sound interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing that's happened in the last ten minutes of this episode has been slightly interesting, but we were having fun with it. <laughs> yeah, they dragged the dummy around. They went for a walk. The dummy was big as your ass, and then we got some bananas. Okay, but can we talk about the fallout from the challenge? Because Gandhi's rant after the challenge is just classic. I love it. All right, can you quote it? Recite it for <laughs> well, us, Paul. Well, like the image that comes to mind here is right with Gandhi making this this face. Well, first we go back. We talk about how. Or, you know, the guys are talking about some of the problems in the challenge, you know, Gandhi at, Gandhi at one point was, like, pulling on the dummy in the opposite direction, trying to help herself up the hill, and, and Jan, you know, lost her sandal in it, and then we get, and then we get, you know, Gandhi's, you know, recap of the Vance's, you know, talking about them two punk asses over there who already started this up, and, 
And then Helen's like, oh, wait, what? Like, like what happened? And so she, you know, reenacts this for him and is like, uh, don't you think that uh, uh, Gandhi? I can't even really make out exactly what she says here because she starts making this this face and then says, and the Janny with her sandy. That's all what those punk asses do here. And, and she just goes on this wonderful rant and, and has all these names for for Clay and, and Ted. And it's just wonderful. <laughs> you just said make out and Gandhi in the same sentence. Did you not understand that? Um, I'm going to try to forget it. <laughs> Yes, but then she does the clay. I think I have that on the funny one fifteen somewhere as one of my favorite pictures of Claudia doing her clay impression. And that's that's how clay do, man. <laughs> that's how we do. That is a quote that I still use to this day. I do love it. Gandhi. If, if, that's how clay do. If you write that on previously on Survivor, I will like that comment because it uh, it never gets old to me. That's how clay do. And then she okay, goes, "This is a race. Yeah, yeah, who's going to write that on POS first? Yeah, we'll see here. I can't guarantee that I read every comment on POS, so it'll be kind of a little bit of like a, a hunt. But um, but yeah, no. And then, and then uh, you know, she then kind of Gandhi goes on this rant about here how she didn't she didn't come on the show to win some freaking banana. She came on the show to win some freaking money. And then I like how she got to toot her own her own horn for a little while here, when she talks about um, she's like. Yeah, I have two kids. Yeah, I work out. Yeah, I kickbox, but I don't. I'm not in the gym every day of the week. Every one of them on that team is physically fit, and this blah blah blah. So I, I love how Gandhi gets her, you know, two cents in there about you know how she does, you know, she does work out and kickbox and all these things. Yeah, it was it, a good monologue. It's it's a good monologue, it, and and again, you look at that whole monologue and you go, well, what's the point? Like she's proud that she kickboxes and goes to the gym but not every day of the week <laughs> like you are you just like killed your yeah. argument there as you're building this thing up here perhaps not every week to be honest <laughs> and yeah. well and she wasn't very confident in her rock climbing skills if we look back to the you know the first episode what are you bringing to the table here god yeah She's yep. bad at puzzles. We learned that in the first episode. <laughs> yes. As John said, obviously mental challenges aren't going to be her thing. <laughs> yeah, I kick, yeah, I kickbox. I mean, you know, once. I, I kickbox <laughs> I kick once. You know, it, it's happened. Now, is that the rant? This is one of my favorite underrated quotes of the season. Is that the one where she refers to Clay and Ted as Moo Cow and Fat Albert? Yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's really funny. I, I, I'd kind of forgotten that speech until I watched it again recently. But yeah, the Moo Cow and Fat Albert, that's great. No, that is a very, very subtle inside Thailand joke. If you wanna if you wanna identify yourself as a true survivor nerd, drop the nicknames Moo Cow and Fat Albert on a survivor message board and see how many people get the joke. You know, it, and it's it's a shame because poor Gandhi is not not long for this game and she's just had she had so much to give to everyone but Ted. And and you know, it, it was <laughs> It, it it's really it's really tough that way, but but also in this lost in this rant, you know, she's she's ranting about all this stuff, and we're and we're talking about it, but we kind of get one of our first thing where you know she's with Jan and she's with Helen, and she's kind of you know she's upset at the men, and it's it's this whole like, you know, the men at Chewigon aren't pulling their weight, and you know they're they're all they're lazy and they don't do anything and and they suck and then you know it, i don't know if it's here uh, i i don't totally remember but you know we do get over at chewy gone quite a bit we get smash cut over to brian our 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 lovely winner our 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 fantastic dude who's basically like yeah you know women uh, women do domestic stuff they should be in the kitchen cleaning and doing dishes oh yeah this is where he goes like this is where evil brian kind of starts and it's i mean it's this episode if i recall yeah well he I mean, says <laughs> 
I have it written down right here. It says, uh, we're back in the good old days now. Women are cooking and cleaning, and the yep. men are relaxing. He says, in fact, I got some laundry if they'd like to throw that in for me. Yeah, and he looks around like, oh, crap, did anyone hear that? You yeah. see his face. He's like, oh, shit, did I say that out loud? So, yeah, with the combination of this and then the you know the quote we got last season about, you know, nothing happened between Ted and Gandia whatsoever, you know, uh, he kind of pretty much uh, makes sure that no, uh, no female will be rooting for him to win this season. <laughs> One of the things, this is really kind of interesting. I was going through my old columns from when Survivor was, when Thailand was airing when I was writing about it. <clears throat> and uh, one of the things I, I wrote in my columns several times, and I don't even remember this, is that, oh, Jeff Probes promised us before the season that we'd have the greatest villain of all time. We'd have a Richard Hatch level villain. And I kept writing this in my column. Who's going to be the big villain? And I think they expected that to be Brian. Now, he never really was a huge villain. I mean, he was kind of smarmy in his own way, but I don't think people cared enough about him to really hate him that much. But it was funny reading my own column, old columns, how much uh, Jeff Probst and Burnett expected that the audience would just absolutely hate this guy on Richard Hatch levels. It's tough because there's many facets to Brian, and I think that, that history has done a weird thing with Thailand, where Brian, I, I feel, I mean, we've talked about it f- before, Brian, I think, you know, played this game and, and, and just had a firm understanding of this game and was in total control. And I think people think like, oh, Brian just strong-armed the whole game and just dominated. And no, Brian dominated the game, but he did it in just a way where he, you know, no one really talked much bad about him. But what's funny is that no one really talked much bad about him, but every real confessional we get from Brian is either like straight business or he's saying something horribly misogynistic yeah. or just you know, completely, you know, sort of out of touch or, or, or something like that. And, and that's what's so fascinating about Brian is that he snowed everyone. He's just playing everyone like a fiddle. And then he gets in front of the camera and he's like, yeah, isn't it great? You know, men relax. Women have to do all the bitch work. I mean, isn't that great? And you're like, holy shit. Yeah. And it's interesting because the editors didn't have to show any of that. I mean, I know there's been plenty of times in, in Survivor history where people have said inflammatory stuff for the cameras just to get attention. And I'm sure it doesn't get showed 90% of the time. But what's interesting with Brian is he was their winner, yet they still showed all his horrible, evil quotes. And they didn't have to. It's always an interesting uh, kind of choice they made in the editing bay on this season. It it makes you wonder what the B-roll was. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was just Gandhi doing clay impressions. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd watch that. I have a husband, you know. I I come here to acquire three more. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that quote. (laughs) Well, I I was actually just thinking, what were the confessionals that Brian gave that we didn't see? Yeah, oh yeah, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, some, someone get him on Survivor Oz again and ask that question. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. What well, is the material that was deemed too offensive from Brian to show on TV? Yes, and Hello. go ahead. I was going to say I was going to move on to a different subject here. You had something else about Brian? No, I was going to move on. You move on. What what's the new subject? I was going to say, this is the episode where Helen really kind of takes over the season as the narrator. And there's a really key confessional right about this point in the game where she says, uh, you know, she sees Gandia going nuts because the men are sexist. She sees the men being sexist. And Helen says, you know, I've worked with men my entire life. And it's just kind of what you have to do when you work with men. She goes, you can fight this, but it's not going to really lead you anywhere. It'll just lead to drama. So she goes, this is the only way I'm going to survive out here is to kind of suck it up and just deal with it. But I don't like it any more than Gandia does, but I've worked with men enough to know that this is the way it works. You just kind of have to swallow some of this pride. And it's really kind of a key quote. And it explains why Kellen is so much a better player than someone like Gandia. Cause Helen, 
just because something bugs her, she doesn't have to mention it. She understands that you just have to deal with some of this to get far, and that explains why she very nearly wins. Are you suggesting that Gandia is an emotional player? That's just how Gandia do. <laughs> That's how she do. That's how she do. Oh, and by the way, Sukjai won some chickens. This is yeah. gonna th- this is gonna come into play later. In yeah, deal- so we just have to throw it out there. It wasn't the big turkey that Rob wanted, but they do have chickens now. <laughs> they do have chickens, and I don't think they eat one this episode, but they're gonna eat one next episode, and it's gonna play. It's gonna it's gonna play some havoc in Sukjai. But you know, we do we do need to throw it in there. But we do need to move on. I, I think that we can get to the uh, immunity challenge here. Um, with this one and this uh, the tangrams. This is the Tangrams. Uh, poss- is- possibly the most boring challenge in Survivor Thailand. <laughs> oh, episode four. The, the, only, the only thing that saves it is towards the end of the challenge, there's some really intense music that's like... Look, 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 people out there. I love Survivor Thailand. Survivor Thailand's got some great characters, and the season on the whole is great. And we've just come off... Uh, a podcast where we talk for two and a half hours on three episodes, most of which being on episode three, which I posit for one of the best Survivor episodes of all time. I'm not going to say the same for episode four. You son of a bitch, Jay. You son, yeah, you <laughs> son. I'm so yes, no. fucking furious. <laughs> but we do get the immunity challenge where it's Tangrams, and hey, lo and behold, Sheehan's good at something. <laughs> well, yeah, this is the one where she brags over and over that she can do logic puzzles in her sleep, which. I don't want to spoil the season for those who haven't seen it, but I think the next episode, the one after, where she totally blows a logic puzzle, which cracks me up. But anyway, just just foreshadowing right there. Right, you know, and I, I've said it before. This is Shean is not the she's not the first, and she's certainly not going to be the last in Survivor history of people going on there going. I am great at puzzles. I am great at mental challenges, and then you see them <laughs> over and over again, kind of biffing mental challenges. Yeah. Which, hey, you're out there on an island, you're on a game show, you're in a pressure situation, you're hungry, you're probably you know, not comfortable because you're either too hot or too cold or something like that. Look, I don't know how I would perform. I'm pretty good at puzzles and things like that normally, but hey, you get me out there, I may suck in front of a, in, in front of a TV camera. So I'm not going to sit here and you know, totally blame it. But you know, hey, Shean is just one of those people where she gets on the, on the TV and she says, I'm good at, at challenges. And she's already kind of biffed one. <laughs> and uh, but we do get the tangrams, and 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 the tangrams she did, and she did really well, and Sukjai wins, hooray! You won tangrams, good. <laughs> I guess they had to cancel the challenge they originally planned, which was coloring book. They colored it. Coloring, <laughs> color by numbers. Ooh, you kind of <laughs> went outside the lines. Rob would not be good at that challenge. No, although I feel like coloring would be better, you know, because Jeff Probst is not in his full. Uh, narration mode in all of these <laughs> these challenges and i think that you know a, a full narrator jeff would probably be better you know he's like come it's on guy book. you got a color <laughs> rob grabbing the green rob's got the green <laughs> stay in those lines do not lose your focus now <laughs> rob's a backnick literally carrying this drawing on his back <laughs> rob Coloring the grass, coloring it green. Interesting choice. <laughs> Man, we're really stretching to make this episode fun, aren't we? Oh, boy. So, Sukjai... Sukjai is still here? And it, well, not so much. But uh, 
we we do get this thing. We we've kind of hinted at it before. Gandhi after the reward challenge, Gandhia basically bitches about the men. We get the fun confessional from Brian saying, "Yeah, women work, men don't have to." And uh, Gandhi is basically now sort of going to Helen and going to Jan saying, hey, we need to get the men out. We need to get Ted out because Ted sucks and he grinds bad. And so we, we, we get Sukjai winning the immunity challenge. And so we get a small bit of scrambling in this episode where they go back and Gandhi is pleading with the ladies. And she says to Helen, hey, Jan's in on it. We're going to vote out Ted. You're the swing vote. You need to vote out the men. And this is, this is where Helen's dilemma of I live in a world with men. Men are sexist. You just need to deal with it. And so you kind of see the writing on the wall. Is Helen going to force a tie with the women or is Helen going to go with the men on this? Well, it's classic Helen at this point because she's a Republican and she doesn't care about women's rights. So she votes with the men. Ooh, topical humor. I love That's right. That. No, it's good. And and so Helen is is the swing vote and and and. and well, not really the swing vote because, you know, it's six, but you know what I mean. Like Helen is kind of, yeah. it's sort of her choice. She can either force a tie or she can vote out one of the women. And poor Gandia, she made the play. She, she, you know, all the grind gate thing happened. And so she's a little bit more volatile than Jan is at the moment. So Gandia is going to go home, but not before some fun with tribal council voting. <laughs> one of the best tribal council moments ever. You know what's funny is if you watch the episode, it actually isn't that good. It's just kind of memorable. It's it's one of those little scenes that everyone remembers the whole bye bye Denver Diva or bye Denver Diva. Well, and, it's like, but well, you know you know why it was so great, and you go back and it doesn't it, it it holds up better in your memory than it does the actual moment because up until that point we had never seen Jeff get that mad before at the contestants. You know this mm-hmm. it was this season that he really kind of gets even more of an attitude with them. I mean now we see Jeff get mad all the time and just you know just go off on things like that. But back then he really kept his, his, you know, his composure. The one thing you, that yeah, people would kind of point to is that in season four, I think we talked about when he gets mad at Kathy, when Kathy says, um, you know, well, these alliances are, are alliances we have on the beach. And I prefer the jury not to hear it. And he's like, no, yeah. you're in a public setting. You're, you're in a public forum right now, blah, 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 blah. And the same thing kind of happens here is he gets, I mean, it's, it's just funny you look back because in comparison now, Jeff Probst can get so much, like, you know, you, we see so much more of his angry side now that you go back and you just kind of like, in the future, write a name down. But at the time, yeah. it was like, great. Like, it was so funny. Oh, that he the, snapped. Yeah. I mean, the, ooh, it's crazy snap now. So, you know, I'll agree with you there. The, me- the memory of it and the kind of idea behind it is better than the actual, like, moment of it. But, you know, it does... I guess in another way as well, it, it, it the votes were getting weird, you know, <laughs> like when, when Tanya went home, they mm-hmm. wrote Tennessee and I get that, you know, we have fun nicknames for people and stuff like that. But, you know, lost in the shuffle here is that we, we get clays because this is where Jeff, you know, really stamps down. We see clay voting out Gandia and he says some, you know, not nice words, probably laced with a little bit of subtle racism in them. And we see he's holding up Bye Bye Denver Diva, but also lost in the fact is that someone votes, I think it's Ted, he votes for Gandhi. He literally writes the letter G. G, yeah. Like, we forget that one. Like, okay, I'm going to vote. Like, okay, we're all going to tribal council. I'm going to vote out Paul. I'm going to write a giant P. No, wait, does be Doesn't, and um, what does Brian write? Brian doesn't spell Gandhi right. Was it G O N E? Is that what he writes? No, he Gandia? writes. He writes like Gaudia or something. He 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 messes up the spelling too. Does he write road trip? <laughs> oh, you're getting confused. Something later on. Oh, sorry. 
Yeah, one of the the thing that I've always loved about that scene with uh, Clay being admonished for for using a nickname, it's not so much that Jeff snaps. What always cracks me up is how much Clay is caught off guard by that. That he got called out by on it. He has to, you know, uh, literally mench say right there in front of everyone who we voted for. It's just it breaks the protocol. It's funny that Clay starts stuttering and it's just he gets completely caught well, off guard. Well, his ex, you know, he explains it so well. He said. Who's the vote for? Uh, uh, Gandia, uh, Denver, uh, Diva. <laughs> oh, okay. By the way, I, I got to say something about Clay here. This is this uh, over the years, people have said, "Oh, I love Clay. He's hilarious," and they love him. And now, in retrospect, a lot of people think he was really funny. At the time, man, nobody liked Clay. Clay was absolutely one of the more hated contestants ever. I just. I mean, his reputation at the time, if you had asked people that what they thought of Clay while Thailand was airing, it was like, uh, oh, yeah, he's the uh, he's sexist. He abuses children. He's, he whoops its child and puts it to bed. He's a hillbilly. He's a child. He's a child abuser. So like people hated Clay back in the day. It's funny how much his reputation has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, and and this is why I urge people to go back and rewatch Thailand because I think that they have some negative connotations with the season. And I think Clay was that because Clay, you know, came off a lot of real negative and people didn't like him. And I think one of the reasons why they didn't like him is because Clay gets to the end. And, you know, people, I think, had in their minds this whole mindset of only deserving people go to the end. The concept of dragging a goat to the end, which is, you know, so commonplace now was not really thought of back then, you know, even though, even though certain people were. And, so, you know, Clay, I'm not saying Clay is the first goat and survivor, but he's the first real obvious one. You know, Brian takes Clay to the end because Brian's like, oh, I can beat this guy, no problem. You know, and, and, uh, and, and now that we've accepted that fact and accept that, you know, people that aren't quote-unquote deserving or, or I don't even like that word, but you know what I mean, pe- people who... who who have that sort of idea go to the end. That's what, that's what happens here is that clay gets to the end and people didn't like that. They didn't like that. This weak hobbit of a man who was, you know, not so nice (laughs) and kind of a racist and, you know, clearly was not good in physical challenges and, you know, certainly wasn't a nice human being. How could he get to the end? And I think that that really cast a shadow on the season in some ways, but now that, you know, that happens all the time, I think that, you know, it's pretty accepted and you can go back, you can watch the season, you can watch Clay's confessionals, you can just laugh your ass off. Like, Clay is a gem. I'm telling you right now, he's a diamond in the rough. <laughs> yeah, it's just a shame. I, if the audience can't get behind a sexist, racist little hillbilly, who are they going to get behind? Exactly! I mean, come on, people. What more do you want? That's just how America do. <laughs> and now, I will say this now, um... Um, now that uh, Survivor Thailand is available on DVD, I've spent some time watching some of the extended, um, um, you know, their their final words and early show stuff like that. Gandia has an awesome final words because you just think of all the stuff Gandia has gone through. You know, she's so upset about this whole thing, and she's the this arm has been been, uh, been uh, bitten off by a shark, and now it's not there no more. And she just has such hatred for for Clay and Ted. And then she gets to her her uh, her final words, and for the record, she talks for a long time. So you know, sit down, get yourself a snack for it because it's going to be a long final words. And she goes on and on and on about you know, like like I think Mario has mentioned in the past that she said it was she kind of blew something out of proportion that shouldn't have been. And then she goes on and on, and then she's talking about how and I found out that I look good in and out of makeup. 
And <laughs> she's going on, on, on. And then, okay, by the end of this interview, okay, just think about the circumstances under which Gandia left. Okay, think of that whole fight. One of her closing lines is, and I just love everybody and I wish them all luck. I'm like, <laughs> what? So yeah, Gandhi is hilarious. Anyone, anyone who has the DVD, go back and watch Gandhi's uh, her, her her extended final words because they are great. I have to say something in defense of Gandhi. That's admittedly a lot of people take a lot of the stuff that happened in Thailand, you know, uh, literally. Like she really was, you know, grinded. There really was sexual abuse. It was like a horrible negative situation. But you listen to her final words, and like Paul said, that's not how she comes off at all. She's like, yeah, maybe I was a little evil. Maybe I I pulled some strings I shouldn't have pulled out there. Like, she was totally a, a character and a player. And I have to say, I actually got a chance to go to the the Thailand finale. It's the only Survivor finale I've ever been to, and I was in the audience that day. And what I remember very uh, specifically about that night is, in between commercial breaks, Gandia was she was wearing this really uh, bright yellowish dress, yellowish green dress, and her son was like in the front row of the audience. So every time the the camera would cut away to commercial and you know the players aren't being filmed anymore gandhi would stand up in her dress and start dancing for her son doing this crazy dance for the audience and i remember very specifically either probes or, or burnett or one of the producers they had to keep announcing over the loudspeaker gandhi please sit down we're going to start filming again <laughs> so i always remember what a ham she was and i thought that was fun <laughs> that's great we can start filming when gandhi has sat down well, you know, one of the great scenes that um, you know we don't really talk much about um, the the recap episode, but there's there's some great footage in there of Gandhi playing sexy for the cameraman Ted, which is like another scene. Once you know what ends up <laughs> happening with that whole thing, you kind of feel uncomfortable about it. But you know, she um, and do did we did we fail to mention in episode two when she uh, heading into the reward challenge when she threatens um, that she's gonna pull down her top um, to, to, yes. to we did talk about that. Yeah, and Tanya found that incredibly funny. Yeah, I remember. okay, okay. So I want to make sure that we uh, we get every uh, great Gandhi moment mentioned. Yeah, Gandhi is one of those people that she never really gets any respect in the world of Survivor. And admittedly, some of the stuff that I write about her isn't particularly flattering. But I, she was a good sport and a good character. And I, I think more people would appreciate her if you go back and kind of watch Thailand again. Again, think about all the material we've gotten in these in in this podcast and a half about Gandhi, and she lasted four episodes. Absolutely. Fantastic. It's well a damn done. shame. It's a, it's a damn shame. And as much as we have nothing you know, more to say about episode four and just glossing it over, I think episode five is a really underrated episode. This is a really, really good one. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to get into this one. There's some great <laughs> scenes in this one. I'm going down my notes. I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm just going down my notes for episode five. And all I see in the bottom is I wrote, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> No yes, shit, Sherlock. Yes, oh, yes, good. Yes. Oh, it's this episode. It's this episode. This is all great. Uh, let's get the serious stuff out of the way. When we when we pan into the episode, we see Brian and Ted uh, on their boat. Uh, one of the last times we can see Chewie gone on the boat, and uh, you know they they kind of are like, you know what? We'll form an alliance. Okay. And you get you know some very vanilla strategy talk out of them. Yay! Brian and Ted are looking out for each other. Kind of. Keep note of that. We're going to get to that later. But then we go to Sukjai, and then we have just like a five-second scene of magicalness. Who would like to take us through this scene? I would be glad to take you through the scene please since I've written take, this one up before. Please take me through this scene. This may or may not be funny 115 gold. I don't know. Yes, this is a top 
if not top 10, top 20 on the original Funny 115. I forget where I ranked it, but it's very it high. Like three or some shit? It, they, it might be that high. I kind of forget. But yeah, this is the scene where Suk Jai is just going to take the day off from strategy, the day off from drama. They're going to go out in the ocean and swim. And so you have how many Suk Jais? Seven at this point? Six? I forget. Seven. So you have six calm, rational Suk Jais walking down the beach. And then you have Sir Spazalot, Rob Zabaknik, racing down the beach at full speed to run into the water. And then they're all just casually splashing in the water like normal people do. And Rob's out there, you know, body surfing and splashing and basically doing everything he can possible to attract a shark. <laughs> and then the, 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 one of the greatest scenes in Survivor history where Rob is walking back to the beach and he steps on a stingray. And you don't see it. You just hear him. And he, Rob's walking towards the camera. There's a bunch of other souk on the left. And Rob steps on this, this stingray and he lets out one of the greatest noises that's ever been heard on Survivor, which is... I, can't, I won't do it justice, but it's some equivalent of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he falls down, and then he pops back up after he stepped on the stingray. And I don't know what happens the second time. Either he steps on it again, or he realizes how much pain he's in. Then he flops himself to the right side of the screen. And Again, none of this is right in the middle of the frame. Rob's kind of off to the side of the frame. You just see him going, go, uh, and he flings himself to the right and goes, ah! He just goes flying off the side of the screen. And there's no reaction whatsoever. Yeah. It's like Nobody else in the scene even notices because this is typical Rob noise. It's behavior. almost like he just is kind of like added to the scene later on. Like we just had the scene of, of Penny, Jake, and Aaron bathing in the ocean. And we just kind of like added, you know, we kind of put these two frames together because there's like no interaction between the two uh, two groups of people here. Yeah, in, in my mind, like, there's Jake and there's Aaron, and they're just, like, standing in the water, and, Rob, and Rob's doing this. They don't even turn to look. Like, no. it's, not, it's, it's not even like, you know, you're thinking, like, he makes this noise, and they kind of turn for a second and go, oh, well, that's Rob, and they turn away. They don't even look. They don't even, you know, they're, it, it, pay no mind. That's how Rob do. Yeah, it's like Paul said. It's, it's like a Forrest Gump scene where they digitally inserted Rob into a scene of just nature footage. <laughs> and I think, even, uh, I think even Jake has the... Uh, the confessional where he's like, we just thought Rob was just splashing around. We didn't think much of it, but uh, he, he, he was bleeding from the foot. <laughs> it's funny. My, whenever I watch Thailand, my wife is, I'm usually watching it in one room and my wife is in the other room doing something. If she hears that scene, the opening to Rob in the stingray, she'll come running in every time. It's one of her all-time favorite Survivor scenes because she knows the noises of it. She just cracks up every time. It's the funniest thing I... It's one of those scenes you could watch so many times and it never gets old because Rob is just such a little spaz boy. Yeah, and then we get the whole fallout because, look, what happens is, is they surmise that Rob stepped on a stingray when he was exiting the water and the stingray stung him in the foot and they kind of got him like on the heel right in the back of the one foot. And, you know, they're, they're raising it up, and Jake's like, don't go. Well, it's a little puffy. It's a little blue, you know, and, and they're kind of, like, going, and Rob's just like, oh, dude, bro, this hurts so bad, bro. I know it's so little, but, oh, my God, this hurts. And, you know, then they're, like, bringing out the they, – they got some hot water, and they're telling me to put it in there. And, like, Rob is just in pain, and he's, he's letting him know, bro. I mean, it hurts, bro. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Sheehan's got some choice words, and, and I'm yeah. shocked by this. Yeah, Sheehan has some medical advice where she points out that sea urchin stings really hurt. <laughs> Rob's like, have you ever been stung by one? She's like, no, I just know. <laughs> She's like, no. Thanks. Been, no, I've been stung by a jellyfish, though. I wanted to say, well, how the fuck would you know? Shut up and go get me some water. <laughs> how the fuck would you know? Walk away. Just walk away. Go do some tangrams. 
Yeah, and you know, and then she's, and then Shan has this thing. I love the confessional of them where he's like, he's just carrying on like a baby. Oh, and she kind of like wham, has, yeah, she she does like the wham wham like gesture, you know, with the where you got your your hands and in, in in balled up, you know, and she's going, yes. it's a really good. She's like, oh, it's like God, what a baby. It's like, just be like it's a nice mature that... adult. Just be like, ouch. Yeah, it was nice that Shean provides her own captioning for the deaf during that scene. The international sign of the crybaby. Yeah, but... <laughs> Just a, a cornucopia of great noises in that scene. The cornucopia of great noises, which then we smash cut to Chewie gone at the night, and, and we, get, we get to hear more great noises, or Helen singing Christmas songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Helen, so I won't say anything about this one. <laughs> Oh, Helen is just fantastic. They're singing the things, and she's doing the. <laughs> she starts wassling. Fuck! Stop wassling. And she's wassling, and Ted's going, "Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his accompaniment to the song. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Oh, uh huh. And like, did they take those from the Gandhi scene and and just kind of put them over the? That's my question. Paul, you're that's on great. fire in this series. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's too bad Gandhi couldn't have been there too. She could have barked along with the song. <laughs> like Jingle Cats. Yeah. <laughs> Jingle Gandia. Yeah, so there you go. Every time you hear that scene now, just think of Paul. And just imagine that they took all the, t- the Ted sexy grunting out of the Gandia scene and placed it into this one. It works, I'm telling you. Yeah. That makes more sense when, when uh Ted tells Helen that they, that she should take it all, take it all right now. Now now it explains it. <laughs> but the scene really is is kind of I really like the way they you know they do it. We're having them singing and and Ted doing his thing and whatnot, and then it kind of cuts back and forth to the to this boat, you know, um, um, you know, floating away from shore. And then of course we have the whole fallout scene afterwards. What that means not to have a boat when you're on Survivor and your water hole is a mile away. But uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty well done scene. Yeah, yeah they, that was funny. They cut to the boat going away, and then they get to the morning. And this is hilarious in and of itself. And people forget about this. Like, it's Ted that goes out there, and he, he looks, and you, you see him, like, out in the morning, and he's, like, shrugging off to sleep, and it's the morning, and then he just kind of looks, and you see him just go, uh, <laughs> uh, and then Brian comes out, and then what do they call They call it Bessie or Betsy? Betsy. Or, yeah, he's like, Betsy's gone. And Brian's like, Betsy's gone. Which one is she? Like Brian doesn't know anyone's name. And that's, Brian doesn't you know, know, he doesn't care. Like that's another subtle thing. Like he's like Betsy's gone. Brian's like Betsy. Which one is she? Yeah, is she the Asian one on Sukjai? <laughs> Ted's like, no, it's the boat. It's not here. And Brian's like, how did that happen? We had a boat. You know, and, and I think he says something like. How did that scenario happen, or something like that? It's just real, like computer-like. And Ted's like, "I, I tied it up. I tied it up here, but it must not be tied up now." And, and yeah, she I tie up water. <laughs> Maybe two days a week. <laughs> it's fantastic. And I, 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 I like Helen's fallout. What do you mean we lost the boat? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <sighs> okay. By the way, that's imagine you said how, how robotic like Brian was. That this is right after the confession where he, he compares himself to a shark, right? I think that's earlier in this episode, right after he makes the Ted where he says, "I'm very shark like, shark like and swift. I always move forward. I always be thinking." Like yeah. it's funny that you mentioned that he's he's like 
robotic and unemotional right after he compares himself to a shark. Kind of he's, he's robotic and unemotional, and, and we get the thing, and, and, and you know, I guess, I guess maybe we could have also predicted that Clay will blame Ted. <laughs> of course. And all that Ted. Get the boat secured. And then uh, do they do they try? No, they they try to get the canoe later. But uh, yeah, we we get uh, we get the fact that it's 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 Chewy gone. They don't have a boat, and so they they solve their problems by going out and catching clams or doing some things in the water. And while they're out there, Jan gets tree mail. Yay! <laughs> you know, I think that's I, I, I'm uh, kind of ashamed that I put the uh, on the funny 115. I ranked the stingray scene so much higher than this Jan with tree mail scene because they should be really, really close to each other. No, it's good. It, it's <laughs> and it starts with a confessional from Clay. And if you're not sold on Clay, this confessional is great. You know, Clay's like, "Boy, I wouldn't give anything for some food." And he says, "If I had the choice right now of sex or a hamburger, I pick the hamburger." I would choose to see Clay do that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would choose to see Clay eat a hamburger over Clay Sex. That, that, yes. yes. Well done. And then we get Jan, and she gets the, you know, hey guys, we got mail. Oh, children. <laughs> we got mail. And he's like, oh, we got mail. Yeah, I, love that, I, love that, I love that Clay echoes it back. We got mail. <laughs> I, I don't remember that. I guess I forgot about him. We make it yeah, she's like, we got mail. And he's like, oh, we got mail? And she's like, yeah. And she opens it up, and that's when she sees it. She's like, it's a what? And like, what? <laughs> this whole episode is great sounds left and right. And then, and then you see them in the water, and they're they're taking it back because she went, wow. And then she's like, oh, my God. 24 to 6. Yeah, Clay's like, what the fuck is it? And she's counting, and he has no idea what she's counting. <laughs> and it keeps going and going and going, and she's like doing updates like 200, 300, 400. <laughs> and you know she's counting by 20. And, and Clay and them in the water, Clay's like, what does the note say? $1,000 in $20 bills. American. Like, is, is it Ted who asks American? Yeah. American. Well... What's the note say? Uh, American. Hellfire. We know that. Hellfire. We know that was a note say. See and then she... ya. Wouldn't wanna be ya. You, so have... you missed the part before that, Paul. With the it's a gambling thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's. Oh yeah, I, I glossed it over. I'm sorry. Backups. She gets the yeah. one twice sold, and then you know, then you see him in the in the water. They're like, it's an auction. Yeah, it's it's gonna be an auction. She's like, it's a gambling thing. And no, then, shit, <laughs> yeah, that's where Clay drops the. He looks right at the camera too, which is what totally sells it. He's like, "Well, yeah. no shit, Sherlock." <laughs> and then she says, "See ya." Wouldn't want to be ya. And you have to accompany that with the cabbage patch. <laughs> I will not accompany that with her doing the cabbage patch. <laughs> with the, no. the, the, the dong, and then it just shows Clay <laughs> just looking so upset, shaking his yeah. head. He's shaking his head at the camera, like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I was never the biggest Jan fan, but it is hilarious when you watch how little respect they had for her because she was just kind of drunk all the time, crazy. But yeah, you watch that scene and Clay's just like verbally mocking her, mimicking her the whole time. <laughs> I love that scene. Uh, and then we lead into the only tribal auction we've ever had in our lives. I liked it. I liked the scene. I always like auctions, though. I don't know. I guess I'm... Uh... I'm biased that way, but it, it, this is this is a fun tribal auction. I think it was a, it, it was well done. Do we not agree? Do and agree? and the oh. original mutiny 
which yeah, nothing happens greatest twist with ever. <laughs> yes, and and this will this will lead us in into uh, into into some later stuff in in this season. But yes, when they get there, they get to the auction, they sit down, they look excited, and then Jeff says, "All right, real quick, does anyone want to switch tribes?" All right, enough of that. Enough of that. <laughs> Move <Yep>. on. <laughs> yeah. Well, they look, and what's funny is that Stephanie, you know, basically says, "I hate my tribe. I thought about going, but I didn't." Mm-hmm. And then, she, you know, and she ends like, "I really wanted to get up, but I didn't." And it's one of those. It's kind of like in Marquesas, the season before, where you know Jeff they make he makes a big deal out of you have individual immunity. You can choose to give it to somebody. And it just doesn't become a big deal because everyone's like, no. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're like, all just scared. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like, does anyone want to switch tribes? And they're like, no. <laughs> Why'd you even ask? Hooray. 20 seconds wasted. Now let's go to an auction. Yeah. That's the thing. A lot of people, you know, bemoan Thailand because it didn't have any twists and it was a pagong, but there was a twist right in the middle. Just nobody took it. And some of them probably should have like, Jan was totally dead meat. Helen left her hanging out to dry at the last vote. Like Stephanie, it, Stephanie could have yeah, saved Stephanie. her own fate there. Sheehan. Yeah. yeah, people forget. Again, I go back to Jan that people remember Jan getting to the final three and that she came close to winning. But like she was so dead meat in this episode. But she was going to be gone the next time Chewie Guy went to went to tribal council. They have to try my mom. That's tribal want, and I either sink with them or I swim with them. Yeah, American. <laughs> <laughs> so we get some good items you know they they get the big things i think soup jai wins the first bid they get a cheeseburger and fries and that's all nice and you know they're licking the ketchup and doing all this fun stuff and then totally underrated is that jeff gets out a uh, a pitcher of limeade <laughs> 20 dollars whoa and and soup jai doesn't even bid on it like what the yeah. fuck guys <laughs> <laughs> you're just gonna let them have it yeah sure why not yeah and i think he, jeff even points out he's like you know, because Ted bids twenty dollars for Chewy Gun, and 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 Sukjai doesn't even bid. They're like chowing down on their cheeseburger, and just like you guys aren't even going to challenge this. And they look up for a second. It's not even like they go, no, like no way, fuck limeade. They they look for a second. It's kind of like they ponder. They go, no, no, <laughs> no, they can have it. And it's like, yeah, brain trust there. Although to be fair, I don't think Rob's mother let him eat sugar. <laughs> So there's probably some kind of extra factors in there. Yay. And the return of a dud mystery item. Hooray. I don't remember this one. Which one was it? Is this the one that Stephanie ended up eating? Uh, Stephanie and Sheehan, yeah. Uh, there's a mystery-covered item. Sukjai wins it. I think they get it for, like, I don't know, around 100 bucks or something like that. And uh, they, un- they, they uncover it, and it's baked grubs. Well, Sheehan, she'll eat anything. That's fucking repulsive, dude. <laughs> we learned that earlier. Yeah, we'll, we'll need to get to, to Soup Jai eating chicken. But yes, they get the baked grubs. And so, you know, Sheehan's eating some. Stephanie's eating some because Stephanie is badass and hardcore. And the star of the season, right, Mario? She is. Star of the season, without a doubt. <laughs> uh, and then we get the big old pot of spaghetti and meatballs and garlic bread and stuff like that and this one becomes a hot bidding war and Chewy Gon takes it and and, and Clay gets up there and gets it and says my wife is Italian (laughs) so if you ever want to bag an Italian wife be three feet tall (laughs) do it the Italian way and my wife's Italian to be fair fair, Jay I'm Italian and most of my aunts are about three and a half feet tall so (laughs) Clay has a type I'll just say that Clay's an aunt? 
I have an ant. I have many ants that are uh, that are very short. Well, yes, ants are very small creatures, Mario. <laughs> Stop with your mind games, Jedi. <laughs> Homonym. It's the other one. Um, and then uh, I think there's another covered item, and I think Suk. No, it's a. It's a. Then yeah, I think that uh, it's a covered item. Suk Jai wins it. It's a hot fudge Sunday. Hooray! And they go crazy. Yeah. They go, they go uh, and then it. we get a an Aaron. Oh my god! <laughs> she tried so hard in her limited ways to you know eat up the screen, but you know we've. Already... By the way, I I gotta say something. For, there's a rumor for years that I've hated. I gotta mention this. People have said because Aaron has an Adam's apple that she is probably a, that people. The rumor over the years is that she's a transsexual. But I will point out right now. The fact that Aaron says, oh, my God, when she's given a chocolate sundae proves without a shadow of a doubt. She's a <laughs> so there Very you go. Very good point. Rumor exactly. squashed. Point set match, Mario. Rumor dead. Okay. <laughs> How do you transition out of that one? That's, yeah. Well, Although I should point out, doesn't, doesn't Jan get a margarita at some point during the challenge? She does. And, and th- this leads to a fun thing because <laughs> I, I don't know. I. I grew up in Southern California. I grew up in a, in a in a neighborhood that you know had a lot of you know authentic uh, Mexican culture in it and, and stuff like that. And, and even I am, am perplexed, you know, because he he has the big old plate of nachos. Chewy gone bids and wins the nachos. And Jeff said that there was a something that went with the nachos too, and that was fine because Jan gets up there, she eats nachos, and Jeff's like, "I have something else that goes with nachos. What do you think it is?" And Jan's like, <laughs> "Beer." <laughs> Beer? <laughs> Jeff's like, no. Like, he's, he's kind of giving, like, the big Jeff Probst eyes, and he's kind of showing, like, no. And, you know, then they guess something else, and he finally goes, margaritas. And he pulls it out, and everyone's like, oh, margaritas. And I was like, I didn't know that you yeah. have margaritas with nachos. Like, well, it's I good, was going it, to say It's a good buildup, too, because your people say tacos, enchiladas. And he's like, margaritas. Come on, yeah. you guys. <laughs> yeah, Apparently, Jeff doesn't know that 20 different things go with nachos. Like nachos is so like an American dish. And he's like, goes with nachos. And he's like, I don't know, football? Like a lot of okay. things with nachos. Flautas with mole sauce? I don't know. That would work too. Yeah. <laughs> and she said beer. Like, sure, beer goes with nachos. Like, Jan's not wrong. <laughs> tacos. It's, yeah, tacos. When, it, when, it, when, it, when even the drunk can't guess margaritas, you know, it was a poor clue. It was a poor clue. And they get margaritas. <laughs> Yay, and Jan gets alcohol. And that's the important thing, boys and girls. Yeah, luckily they cut away to the, before she could do anything embarrassing after getting the alcohol, because you thought she was embarrassing before. Yep. But, you know, the, the alcohol made her buoyant and made her not, 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 not swim very well, even though she couldn't at the beginning. So, you know, <laughs> she's not going to go get the water, because the canoe's gone, and we get Brian and Helen, we get another Chewy Gone swimming scene. I know, y'all. Ooh, we're swimming. I love the swimming scenes. I don't think we've talked about the swimming scenes. I distinctly remember Mario writing a blog. My, I think it was even back on the during the MySpace days about how you, uh, when you'd upon rewatching Thailand with your kids, you remembered you noticed how much damn swimming they do in this season. Yeah, they love their swimming shots in that season. Well, they and what goes what goes with swimming? Margaritas. Margaritas. <laughs> no, no, do not drink and swim. Bad idea. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, so I, I don't even have anything in my notes for the scene. Jay's talking about a swimming scene. I have no recollection of that's how that's how interesting I thought it was when I was watching the episode. Well, oh, isn't this when Helen's talking about you know how she can swim? And she doesn't love to, but it's you know you got to make sure you don't dehydrate yourself for a challenge. Yes, because they're going to do an immunity challenge. They need the water. And, you know, I think Clay or Ted or somebody's kind of like, hey, can we get it later? And she's like, no, we no. have a challenge. And she's got to go. And she and Brian goes. And, you know, she's she feels comfortable with that because, you know, they're strong swimmers, you know, and they can go out and get it. And, you know, Helen and, is espousing the importance of getting water. And there is a lot of fish to be sorted in this challenge. So you cannot dehydrate when sorting fish. <laughs> it's one of the all-time greatest physical challenges ever, the <laughs> fish sorting challenge. This is the let's get Chewy gone back in the game. Welcome to Bear Monday. We've got fish. I have to say, in my notes here from watching this episode, this one will crack you guys up. My my kids were watching this episode with me. We got to the fish challenge. And they're all running around in front of the camera, picking up fish, sorting it, and putting it in the baskets. And at one point, Dan bends over right in front of the camera, and her butt is all wet. I don't know if she sat down in something. She bends over, and all you get is a shot of Dan's wet ass. And my son, who's ten year old, just ten years old, just looks at me and he sees that and he goes, "Ew." <laughs> there you go. That's what I always remember about this challenge. My son was grossed out by Jan's wet butt. Say what you want about Jan; she goes for it in the challenge. I think Jan is one of the first ones because uh, this challenge, uh, for those of you who have not watched it or need need a refresher and stuff like that, they have these huge ass this huge ass table of fish and there's several different types of fish and then they've got bowls on the other end and they basically need to sort the fish into the correct bowl and you know this is a lot of you know this is redundant work they need to pick up a lot of fish and transfer it somewhere else and finally like jan is literally like then stuffing her mouth with the fish like jan Jan goes for it man like she she's she's in it and stephanie was too let's not forget hardcore stephanie stuffing the fish in her mouth well she had a practice from her audition video right yes i was hoping you were gonna say that yeah (laughs) If people have never seen Stephanie's audition video, at one point, does she say, kiss my fish or something, and she puts a fish in her yeah, mouth? Yeah, she has it in her mouth, and then she puts it down and holds it between her legs and says, if you don't put me on your next survivor, well, then you can just kiss my fish. <laughs> well, there you go. The legend of Stephanie lives on. Again, I always feel, sometimes when I when I listen, or not when I listen, but when I when I think about our podcast, we say a lot of times, like, oh, we'll get to this thing when we get there, you know, to something in the future. Uh, but, you know, something that alluding even to Survivor Amazon next season, I feel every time I watch this scene with this them sorting the fish, I always feel how cruel it is for Survivor to make them sort like a million pounds of fish and then not let them have any. Yes, it's a good point. <laughs> you know, like like next season, they have like a they have to catch some some piranhas or whatever in a challenge, but they let them keep the fish at the end. And I was like, that's awful nice of them, because in this thing, it's like, here's all this delicious fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah fish you could totally cook this and eat this isn't this great no just sort it though just sort it for us well yeah and when it's in their mouth they could easily just take a bite i mean it's gross but it's they're not eating anything else no yeah exactly and it's like sort all this delicious protein but but don't eat any and we're gonna take it away at the end of the challenge that's a good point i never thought about the inherent cruelty of the fish sorting challenge well thank god i'm here (laughs) yes so, Chewy Gone wins this because this is tailor-made for Jan. Exactly. <laughs> and she wins, and boy, I tell you, we, we really are going to wonder who's going to go home from Sukjai. I mean, it's a mystery and a half. You know, it's those episodes like this where you lose a major character that are just a blow to the season. 
And you know, I mean, the minute they go back and Stephanie's dead meat, I'm like, this is going to be like the Kathy goes home in Marquesas. This is one of those big episodes where <laughs> you remember. Very similar, very similar. Yeah, uh-huh. Remember where oh, you were. Oh. It just really tears at your heartstrings like when T-Bird goes out. It was horrible. So, yes, Stephanie, she's just dead woman walking when she gets back to camp. And I honestly don't remember if anything even happens. I think they just do. They, is there any discussion at all when they get back? Uh, not I, much. I think it's it's very brief, but hold on. Is it is it next episode? Do we skip the the chicken eating scene, or is that next episode? Because oh, no, that was episode, that was in past. It was we we, we passed it. We because, passed. We because, go. Oh yeah, okay. Because we got to talk about it. Because the one thing that they do kind of allude at is they show this Aaron and Rob going to the well, and Aaron and Rob are complaining about about Sheehan and how Aaron makes a comment about how I can't wait to get rid of her. So that that's kind of, you know, what they throw at us that, oh, well, maybe, maybe it's Sheehan. Sheehan, doesn't Sheehan get votes every tribal council she goes to? <laughs> yeah, yes. nobody seemed to like her. And it's one of those things that the edit tried to push it that, you know, everyone was mean to Sheehan and they bullied her. But I've found from experience that when seven people don't like one people and it's unanimous, it's generally the one person's fault. <laughs> that's just, I've just noticed that as you watch. But it's not, really to, it's not personal. Yeah, it's not personal. But they just really tried to build Sheehan up as this misunderstood misfit who everyone was mean to. But she's really not all that likable. That's the thing. It's Even Jake kind of has to push to like her sometimes. And Jake loves everybody. In fact, Jake has – there's a really good speech. I know we're making fun of these guys. But there's a really neat scene in this episode where Jake pulls Sheehan aside and, you know, she's complaining that no one talks to her and, and they all just gossip about her. And Jake says, well, when someone's – when someone's – when I see people talking – off to the distance, I just say, hey, they're all talking about me. They're saying how awesome I am. And it's kind of a cute little speech he gives to Sheehan. I always like that scene. He's such a motivator. Jake's so awesome. Yep. He got a bum rap. He got a bum rap. Yeah. He did. Yes, but, but the scene we're alluding to is that uh, the chickens that Sukjai wins, they eat their first chicken, and, uh, you know, they do, the, they do the traditional survivor thing of having the chicken, then they kind of take parts of it, and they're passing parts around and stuff like that. And then Sheehan goes for the neck and she's going for you know tendons and those parts of chickens that people tend to kind of miss she ends just going to town on it and rob's just like oh my god she's eating gross crap and you know then she's like taking pieces that we all just like ate and she's like re-eating it and i mean <laughs> that's just gross bro i mean that's repulsive. that's repulsive that's repulsive dude i mean oh makes me sick well to be fair she really shouldn't have been asking to eat the anus i mean that's just gross that's how she and do. <laughs> she do. But yeah, it's one of those cultural things. Like she and explains, hey, in my culture, this is this is what we eat, and we look forward to it. So I mean, that's who I am. Yeah, you know, and I, and I when she says she says it, I mean, I think that she and sometimes gets misunderstood with some of her interactions and stuff like that. But I have a hard time, you know. She she very earnestly tells the camera in the confessional, this is a cultural thing. I was raised to eat kind of these other parts of animals that, you know, uh, American people traditionally don't eat. But I have a hard time thinking that she didn't, you know, communicate that at any point. Yeah. While they're all sitting around for, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes eating this chicken where she's just like, yeah, I used to eat this stuff when I was a kid or something like that. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't you think people would back off? No, no, bro. It's disgusting. It's repulsive. repulsive. Ridiculous. So that's that's the red herring. Uh, it, it's a very very mild one where people don't like Sheehan because she eats weird. But uh, poor Stephanie. I mean, you know, riding on the wall. Mario cries. Every horrible. He loses. When I watched this episode, now I remember what I felt like on nine eleven. 
Too soon. That's right. Too soon. Uh, <laughs> and by too soon, I mean about the Stephanie joke. We don't joke about Stephanie being voted out. This exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was Stephanie was a minor character at best. I, if we're being completely realistic here, I could not have cared less about Stephanie. I only tried to build her up later into a character when I used her in a story. But yeah, in Thailand, she was completely completely irrelevant. Jeff Probst even made fun of her in the reunion show, saying, "How come the girl we interviewed never showed up during the season?" And I think she's one of the all-time great casting duds. She's always been considered one of the duds. She just got sick or got angry and just didn't care and never really gave the cameras what the producers thought they were going to get from her. Yeah. Well, to be fair, her answer was, I'm waiting for some dorky white guy to write a fanfic where I'm amazing. Yeah, I, that, that's the way I like to think about it. Well, we can't bring the episode <laughs> to a close without you talking about, you know, we kind of alluded to it already, about another entry on the Funny 115, Mario. Yes, this is Rob's classic vote for Sheehan when he votes, goes up to the voting confessional vote, votes for. He says, you know, sorry, girl, you get on my nerves and I don't like you. Nothing personal. Like, isn't that the definition of personal? It's a it, it's the common trend. He he was ahead of his time because, uh, you know, the year is is 2013 now. But in the past year or two, you know, it's it's common in American culture for people to kind of give you. Uh, sort of an insult or something like that and say, you know what? You really are a horrible human being. No offense. Yeah. That's one of the things I do on the internet all the time. That's my, I love uh, ironic humor like that, where you say one thing and then immediately contradict it. And I do this all the time. And I kind of stole it from Rob. Like where I'll say, I don't mean to come, I don't mean for this to come off the wrong way, but fuck you and your whole family. Like just, I just love doing little things like that where you immediately contradict the first thing you said. And that's kind of an homage to Rob who does this unintentionally all the time. Yeah, no offense, but yeah. you're the worst person I've ever met. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, oh, well, as long as you said no offense first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't take this the wrong way, but I want to kill your mother and have sex with her soul. Holy crap. <laughs> That's right. That's where we're going now. <laughs> Ex- explicit warning on this podcast. <laughs> oh, that was some really necrophiliac sexy biting going on. That's where we're going right there. That's. That's how we do on this podcast. We're recording it late tonight. This is not in the e- early evening like most of our podcasts, where it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, Jay's time. We're all loopy, and we've been drinking. After dark, baby. Right. This is erotic. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Nothing perfect. American! <laughs> I'm See ya! Wouldn't want to be uh, Stephanie, really. No. <laughs> yes. It's so de- that's, that's it for Stephanie. I have nothing more to say about Stephanie. She's dead to me now. <laughs> She's dead to me. Uh, she, she wasn't great on the season, and then I, I made her amazing in my, my, my fanfic, and now she's done. We're done. I'm done writing. She's done. Yep. It's good. It's good, it's good that you used and abused Stephanie in <laughs> such a way, Mario. Yes. I hope you're proud of yourself, <laughs> you son of a bitch. This podcast has gotten really dark all of a sudden. <laughs> This podcast has gotten great. <laughs> All right, let's go to episode six, Jay. Episode six. This is good. Now Stephanie's gone, and so now we get uh, we, we've we've this 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 episode six. I think if you had to to you know we've had episodes where you know the general saves himself or Grindgate. Episode six is Rob Zabachnik. Rob Zabachnik. This all is, about this is Rob those... with two Bs. Yeah, this is one of those homage episodes. It's just a tribute to the character that they just love. 
this is a fantastic episode because Rob is a character, and this is this is a swan song. This is everything you need to know. Starts with Rob going, "Ah, bro, Stephanie's gone, bro." I mean, I can <laughs> vote it out, dude. I mean, dude. What I love about this episode is it starts and like we're not even a minute in, and Penny walks up to Rob. She says, "Oh, Ken almost voted for you last night," and like. Rob doesn't even ask questions of whether that's true or not. He just takes it at face value, which means he's not a particularly savvy player. It's like all it takes is like one little sentence from Ken, from uh, Penny, and Rob immediately goes to Ken like, "I hate you. You're the worst person ever." <laughs> he's like, "Trust is instilled early, bro, and you break that trust, and that bond between us is not good." And Ken's just like, "I've stuck up for you the whole time. You've just bitten the hand that feeds you." He's like, whatever, yeah. bro. You know, you know. the great thing about this whole thing is that Ken really articulates what the audience is thinking, which is like, wait, he didn't even realize it was directed at, you know, I was confused. I didn't I didn't realize for the first half of the conversation that, you know, his anger was directed at me. And at first I thought it was a joke. Like, yeah. where did this come from? Let, let's let's go into Sukjai. We're going to focus on Sukjai. For those of you who are wondering what Chewigan's doing, they're looking for their goddamn boat and probably swimming quite a bit. Let's go back to Sukjai. I want to see more swimming. <laughs> no, I'm serious. When they cut when they when they cut to Chewigan, they're like, "Let's go look for their boat." And they go and they swim for a million years because they're like, "It's probably by that island out there. That's not that far." And then they start swimming. They're like, "Holy shit, that's super far." <laughs> so then they yes. turn back, and then when they turn back. Or, you know, or a couple of them turn back or whatever. But I think Brian moves on ahead, maybe Ted or, or something like that. And they're looking and then they don't see it around the one thing. And they go back and they're like, you know what? That boat is long gone. Smash cut to the camera showing the boat like around the island. Like, you know, the best part about those scenes like that is where they have to swim way out to get somewhere. The best part about that is on the way back, they swim some more, more swimming. Yeah, we get, we get some swimming out and then we get some swimming back. Oh my God. Awesome. No, I get it. I get it when people are like, Thailand's got some slow parts. Like, Thailand does have some slow parts, and the slow parts is Chewy gone swimming. <laughs> yeah, don't lose your boat next time. <laughs> God damn it. You lost your boat, now you have to make me watch you swim. Exactly, as Ted would say, uh. But, people, I know Chewy gone is swimming and looking for their boat, and they're not going to find it. Spoiler alert, they're not going to find their freaking boat, and they're going to swim a long goddamn time. But... We have banana etiquette. Everyone goes, ah, oh, heroes versus villains. Banana etiquette. No, Thailand. Banana etiquette with Rob Zabachnik. Yeah, what was funny is I wrote a, a funny 115 entry on banana etiquette for heroes versus villains. Yeah, I wrote it all up. I was real proud of that episode. I figured it would be a big fan favorite. And someone pointed out to me, um, Mario, they already did banana etiquette in Thailand. Don't you remember that? And I kind of, I guess I'd forgotten about that at the time. But yeah, so this is the first season where it really showed up, where... If you are going to take a banana for yourself, you must offer bananas to everyone else. Rob was hungry, bro. He needed bananas. Well, bananas are his new favorite food, bro. Look, he's not going to apologize because he's hungry. He's going to eat a damn banana. Yes, no. They they have a fight over bananas because they have uh not, they 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 have their banana supplies dwindling and and they still have bananas left, but you know the, when they got the bananas, they got it in such a way where some of the bananas were ripe, some of them were almost ripe, some of them were not even close. So they kind of have, you know, you can't eat all the bananas at once. You kind of have to uh, ripen them, I guess. And so they only have, you know, a, a little bit that they could eat from, and they're kind of saving them or getting them at some sort of communal eating time. But Rob was hungry, and Rob wanted a banana, and he took a banana, and this pissed everyone off. And you know, surprise of all surprises, Sheanne has to vocalize this. 
What's funny about that banana scene is I always, when I'm watching it, I just picture Rupert at home watching it, never having been on Survivor, but still instinctively pissed off that someone's hoarding bananas. What is going on? <laughs> you gotta save those bananas. That tattooed freak is eating all the bananas. I thought, I'm sorry, you set us up for a Shean quote. I don't remember the Shean quote. Shean is just like, you know, and what's fun is that Shean gets a lot of shit for, you know, stirring up a lot of crap. But Shean actually just raises the point. She she just kind of, Rob takes a banana and Shean just turns to the tribe and says, were we saving the bananas? <laughs> or are we, are we just going to eat these whenever we want? Just eat these whenever we want, and then that just starts the storm, and then everyone <laughs> starts getting into it. And then you know, Jake's like, "We were all gonna save that. You know, you're gonna take a banana. We all need to have a banana." And Rob's just like, "No, bro, I'm hungry, bro." <laughs> and then Sheanne's like, "In my culture, we eat the peel too." And they're like, "Fuck you, Sheanne. <laughs> repulsive. <laughs> That's repulsive. You eat the peel." <laughs> Now I'm thinking of that movie where uh, Kevin Spacey does eat the peel on the banana. Ooh, I haven't seen that one. Which one are we talking about? God, is that K-Pax? Oh, maybe it's K-Pax. There you go. We're the only podcast out there that compares Survivor Thailand to K-Pax. For the record, my mind did not go there for anyone else who is listening to this and is not relating to these two nerds. Now, Paul, yeah, Paul's, Paul's picturing Jan slipping the banana peel and falling. Well, nope. uh, you got me there. Now, Paul. <laughs> K-Pax is a movie. Movies are shown in a place called a theater. A theater has a really large, like, picture your TV at home. It's a really large one, and it shows things that aren't reality television shows. I'm, I don't, I'm having trouble picturing this. Let's just move on. But go you with, just got montana Paul. <laughs> it's less the Montana. It's just more the fact that I know that, I know that Paul's uh, television, you know, I think, doesn't the tribe always make fun of you because you don't watch actual television shows? Yeah, exactly. Or it's movies all- or anything. It's just Survivor on, on loop all the time. <laughs> I'm glad we know that. Now we can make fun of you, too. No, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Kind of. Anyway, um, so they have banana etiquette. They have all this sort of stuff. Then we get to a cool reward challenge. And this is one of the first in a, in a long time of, of slingshot something in the air and have people catch crap. Yeah, original one. And I got to point out this one, this challenge I love because I said back in the uh, episode two reward challenge for our immunity, I forget which one, where Penny was on the little uh, the little uh, chariot and they're carrying her around and she's like a total badass making people run into trees and stuff. <clears throat> well, she does the same thing in this challenge too where she basically tells them at the end, she's like, I'm going to shoot this and you're going to get your butt there and you're going to catch it, Sonny. I want so, all like, four of your butts down there to catch it. Yeah, so it's just another example of Penny being a little badass, and I think a lot of people kind of forget that about her. She was a, a cool little character. No, it, it, yeah, Penny does that, and they have that scene where, you know, Rob is dominating this challenge. They're just shooting it to Rob, and Rob's catching uh, the ball in his, his little basket or whatever, and uh, and, the, and then there's a little stretch where he's not, and, and Chewie Gun gets a couple points and is kind of making a comeback, and you're like, oh, God, are they going to come back? And, and and stuff like that. And then Penny gets the brilliant strategy of, I'm just going to shoot it in the middle and all of you get there. It's a good plan. Solid. Solid. It's good. But basically, yes. they shoot one and, and Rob catches it. He gets the win and they win the, the tie feast with tie dancing. Yay, culture challenge. <laughs> well, I should point out that the Penny strategy of, I shoot the ball in the middle and you all run to it, was much better than Helen's strategy of, I shoot the ball over here and you all run willy-nilly in the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, they so, that's why Sukjai pulled it well, off. There's, they some, have... there's some great Helen in there, too. You just told me to hit Clay! <laughs> <laughs> Which is what Helen wants to do probably 24-7, hit Clay. <laughs> <laughs> Not hit on Clay? No. No. Unfortunately, no. Shoot Clay, then shoot herself. Okay. American. <laughs> well, then, like, yeah, Chewygon had the strategy of like low high, low high, or something like that, and it's like, you know, yeah. I, I, oh, it's it, you know, I, I Chewy or Sukjai then said, I'm gonna shoot in the middle and get you all there. But usually, it's kind of like figure out who can actually catch the damn ball and then shoot it to <laughs> them. I don't yeah. know. shoot it to Rob. Yeah, get the now ball. Chewy. In fairness, the, the low high, low high strategy wouldn't have worked on Chewygon because Clay is always low, always so he's low. never going to catch anything high. Well, you know, isn't Rob always high? There you go. Boom, boom, shot. <laughs> yes, but Sukjai wins. They get uh, they get the feast, and uh, it's really good, bro. The feast is good. And I just watched that scene a couple days ago, and I have to say that's that is actually kind of a nice scene where Sukjai is all bonding and making friends again, and. It's really their last nice moment in the entire game. Like, everything is horrible for Sukjai after this point on, but it's kind of a nice little scene, and again, people always think uh, Thailand was a one-tribe one season, but there were two tribes, and Sukjai had ups and downs, and this was about the highest they got in the, in the entire season right here, this, this nice little feast, which, of course, culminates in Aaron saying, you guys, this morning we were fighting over unripe bananas. <laughs> And uh, and then yeah. and Penny drinks the iced tea like milk, so you know it was a good, a good feast. Yes, it was good. And they had the dancing. It was you know, and, and the food actually looked really amazing. I you know, I always get jealous every time I'm looking at it. But lost in this whole scene, we get this great soup jai moment. But we pan really quickly back to Chewy gone, and ladies and gentlemen, Ted still can't do percentages. Yeah, this is great. This is something I didn't remember. Jay had to point this out to me. He was kind of previewing Thailand before we started uh, doing our podcast, and he pointed out. He goes, "You know, Mario, everybody makes fun of that one fifty or uh, hundred one fifty to one two hundred percent satisfied." But there's another scene where Ted still can't do percentages, so I will let Jay do it because this was his baby. After they come back from the reward challenge where Chewygon loses. Uh, you know, they, they come back and they're pissed and, and, and they're upset because, you know, it was, a, it was a physical kind of deal where they had to go out in the hot weather and, you know, shoot, you know, slingshot some, some objects in the air and try to catch them in baskets. And they're upset they didn't win. They didn't win. They didn't get to go on the Thai feast and, you know, eat a lot of food and stuff like that. And they're upset. And Ted expresses his, uh, his, 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 his frustrations by this. And he says, I hate losing. It sucks to lose. Especially when it's a challenge where you give a hundred million percent. <laughs> That's a lot of effort. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I mean, Ted was like flying around the sun like Superman or flying around the planet. <laughs> That's what that would be. Also, poor Ted's wife, because he's only 150 to 200 percent happy with her. <laughs> oh, wow. But, but in he... this damn challenge, he gave a hundred million percent. <laughs> He gives a million percent in challenges and only about 150 to 200 percent in their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a hundred and a million percent. So it's not that bad. It's not a hundred million. If I'm I'm correct. Percent. Yeah. I mean, still, it's a heck of a lot of effort. I mean, he's practically Amish at that point. 
Ah, uh, Ted and the hyperbole. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so Ted, Ted has percentage issues again. So, you know, this, this, this is a thing. Ted, Ted's played some football. He's probably had people say, "I want you to give 110 percent." No, I want you to give 150 percent. No, I want you to give 200 percent. And the percentages just kind of rise. So he's just kind of thinking in those terms of percentages, and and he really wanted to perspectivize that and say, especially you're giving 100 million percent <laughs> well what's funny is if ted watches celebrity apprentice and he watches lou ferrigno giving 110 percent to ted that sounds like ferrigno's slacking yeah what the hell? it's like what half effort what is that incredible hulk my ass <laughs> yeah so this is what we learned from this podcast that chewy gun needs metaphor lessons and they need percentage lessons and they need they need they need not not lessons because what <laughs> Ted did to tie up that boat it didn't work and we were subjected to more goddamn swimming. God, Ted, <laughs> yes. All right, so we get this. Uh, we get this. You know this. This is the Sukjai bonding thing. We get we get the the feast and Rob, of course, is really getting a kick out of the feast. And just to cement this home, we then get the great scene of Ken and Rob bonding by finding they squash. Yeah, they squash the beef. They squash the beef. Dude, I've never seen this cave. I'm in a cave in Thailand, bro. I'll never do this again. Dude, I'm never did I think I'd be sitting here with you in this cave savoring a banana and, and, and this bottle of water that's warm as piss and tastes just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, now he's a poet. Dude, wow, that's Shakespearean. <laughs> so wait, so he and Ken are sharing a dark cave and savoring a banana together. That sounds so much like a sexual metaphor. Dark cave, sharing a banana. <laughs> Never like, thought I'd be savoring your banana, dude. And and, sh- and, and drinking liquid that's piss like. <laughs> Jeez, that episode's filthy. <laughs> the golden showerific is what that is. <sighs> uh, but we get Rob, and Rob basically then makes peace, and he's like, you know what, Ken, you're okay, and I'm probably gonna get voted out, aren't I? Yeah, yep. yeah, you are. Okay, good. We're all good. So Even though we actually haven't had an immunity challenge or anything. No, but but <laughs> it's going to go. And we get an immunity challenge. and it's Sheehan's told... time to shine. Sheehan's time wait. to shine. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we skipping the dead baby bat? Are we skipping the oh, dead baby bat? Oh, crap. How, how dare you, sir? Oh. Was that was that episode six or episode five? Was it six? This is episode six. Jan finds yeah. the dead Let, baby bat. Let's do that. Deep. Yeah, we forgot about this gem in there. Sorry. Yeah, we, we just think that they're always swimming, so we forget about these other things. Oh, the dead baby bat. <laughs> Oscar. We, the they find a baby bat named Oscar, who was later, named later changes to Oliver, which is uh, very much like the uh, Genghis to uh, Otorot change. <laughs> yes, I'm sensing a theme here. No, this scene is just brilliant from... From beginning to end. Yes, Jan finds the bat, and she thinks it's the cutest thing in the world, and they're all creeped out by it. <laughs> well, it's just great the way it opens up, because it's like, we hear this, like, we don't really know what's going on, all of a sudden we hear Jan come at the beach, is crying, Helen, we have to have a funeral! And Helen's like, oh no, why? And she's like, I found a baby bat, and it's dead. Okay, well, that, that was implied by the fact that he had to have a funeral, but okay. And then the Helen's interview was just gold about how she's talking about, you know, like, you know, yeah, I'm sad when a kitten dies, but I'm looking at this slimy thing, and I wouldn't even call it a baby bat. It was still uh, embryonic. And I'm like, yeah, you better bury that thing before flies get all over it. 
You gotta, you gotta do like the Helen face where she's just like, it's, I love that whole scene, how Jan is so invested in this poor, sad little bat and everyone else is to some degree of either not giving a shit whatsoever or just thinking Jan is nuts. Well, we know like, Brian's first question, right? Can we eat it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a burying thing. <laughs> yeah. He, Brian's like staring off into space and Ted's like, Hey, you uh, you go and have a funeral. I'm gonna, I'll pay my respects some other time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although that's got just like where uh, Clay does the no shit Sherlock and he looks at the camera. This is the other one where they're having the funeral and can't Clay again just kind of looks at the camera and shakes his head. Clay is the master of, pa- of playing to the camera. Oh, Jan and the baby bat, Oliver Oscar. Again, this is like. Four funny one fifteen golden scenes in the last two or three episodes. Like this is this is a funny season. It's a it's a murderer's row of funny little scenes, and it you know people are like, oh well, I hate the characters, and Chewie on swims a lot, but it's like there's good stuff in there, folks. Absolutely, it's good. Are, are do you do you feel satiated? Did we have a proper funeral for your baby bat Mario? Can we move on to Sheehan biffing a logic challenge? You've done well, my son. Move on. She and Biff's a logic challenge, people. She also eats chicken gizzards. <laughs> God. I'll Maybe n- it's a cultural thing to be horrible at 21 puzzles. Ugh, I'll never bring her back for another season. Yes, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the 21 puzzle. This is literally, you know, there's 21 flags, and uh, they can take one, two, or three at a time, and basically you have to be the tribe that takes the last flag, and uh, they Biff it. What's funny about this challenge is if you go into any message board and you talk about this episode, you'll have, you know, within five minutes, 50 Survivor fans will post, that's the easiest game in the world. All you do is you take uh, whatever the other tribe takes, you add up to three or something. I forget what the, but apparently everyone in the world knows how to play this game but me and Sukjai. Yeah, it's. it's... Her name is Shean, Mario. (laughs) Shinjo? What? Suyi? Suyi? Betsy? (laughs) Betsy, what 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 is going on? What? Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, so yeah, they they have this thing, and and what's funny is that yeah, th- this is not this is a I, I wouldn't say well known, but this this is a this is a pretty known sort of logic challenge, and uh, you see Shean just like totally muddling over this, and and you see her kind of going, and they completely biff it up. Like there's a point where. You can see it where like Sukjai can take control of the challenge and kind of control it, and they don't, and they just kind of keep going, and they finally get down to the to the end, and then Xi'an just doesn't make any of the any of the right moves, and Chewie Gan wins. But it was a really gripping challenge in the sense that we see Xi'an just biffing it, and it's a lot of action. They stand up, they take some flags, <laughs> yes. walk to the bench. It rivals the fish challenge for pure heart gripping action. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe that's a knock on Thailand is, you know, some of these challenges, you know, maybe maybe mental. on paper. Yeah, like the Tangrams. It's like, you know, yeah, well, you know, Tangrams, you know, it could be something that's going on in Thai culture. Ooh, look, they have to make a pagoda out of a Tangram. But it's like that shit's boring probes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a very valid criticism. And over the years, people have faulted Thailand for not having interesting challenges. And it's true. It's they were trying to do something different with the season. It was the first Asian season. It was uh, kind of older against younger, so they kind of they kind of made more mental stuff, more uh, puzzle-like challenges. And again, it wasn't the greatest TV, but I, 
I give them credit for trying something different. They tried something different. Sukjai loses. They had control. They lost. They go home. They eat. And as they're eating in the dark, Rob has an epiphany. And again, great scene. I don't think you, this made the 115, but, you know, Rob professing his love for everything in the universe Mm-hmm. It is a fun scene and actually as a you know within Rob and his bros and his whatevers and stuff like that he does actually have a nice moment and you know it, it is one of those nice things that Survivor does provide for people where you know they go out there and they kind of find themselves a little bit and you know Rob does say you know I, I, I'm not very close with my dad and now I want to go talk to him and you know he does have some sort of revel- revelations on you know hey I'm going to go home I'm going to be a better person Family's what's important I've learned this stuff and it's like you know all we've seen from Rob up to this point is very cartoonish, but you know, he does kind of have an epiphany at this moment and uh, it's kind of a fun scene because everyone, I think everyone kind of gets touched and this is, this is kind of why Sukjai falling apart in the next few episodes sort of gets sad is because we kind of get the sense that they really did bond in this, in this episode that they really did kind of come together a little bit and uh, they got to destroy themselves, which is fun for us as an audience. Yeah, this scene gets mentioned a lot when people talk about the more touching Survivor scenes, which is kind of funny because when it first aired, I don't remember thinking it was touching at all because it was hard to take Rob seriously. Like, it's you didn't, yeah, you didn't realize at the time when you're watching it, like when it was first airing, are they making fun of Rob? Are they being ironic and making him come off like an idiot here? So it's it's hard for me to really say that scene was touching the first time. Although the more I see it, the more I realize it was totally legit. At the time, Rob had been such an ironic, unintentionally funny character. That was a tough scene for me to actually take seriously. I wasn't sure where they were going with it. Yeah, I agree. You can get way more out of it now when you're actually when you're watching it that first time. You're so over robbed when you're actually watching the show and thinking that this guy could actually win the million dollars that you just kind of want to get rid of him. But you know, when you go back and can appreciate him more as a character, yeah, you can get a little bit more out of it. Right, yep. because I think what cements that scene is actually his reactions and stuff at Tribal Council, which comes afterwards. And so the scene happens and you're like, okay, what the hell did I just see? But then, you know, w- with everything that goes on at Tribal Council and just the way he leaves where, you know, he's, he's hugging people and peace and love and all that sort of stuff, and he leaves and you're like, oh, crap, he was probably serious in that scene, but you didn't, yeah. you, you didn't take it the first time. You know, he, it's, this is Rob just going, oh, dude, I'm going to talk to my dad, bro. Oh, my God, I totally want to talk to him. Nothing's more important than family, guys. This is, this is the real deal. This is what I'm saying, and, like, this is Rob who's, you know, been yelling and, you know, saying profane things and just, you know, getting on everyone's nerves and, and all that sort of stuff. And you're like, what, what the hell is this coming from? This is weird. This is, this is dumb. This is, this is something. But, you know, then, then you see at the end, you're like, oh, my God, maybe he actually did mean that crap. Yeah, I have to say it's much more touching. Like you see he gets voted out at tribal council. They cast a vote for him. And you think he's going to snap or say something like Rob, Robish. But instead, he just sees his name. He's like, two B's, guys. I got two B's in my name. He's guy. Yeah, and then he's voted out. It's sad and touching, and he waves, and they cut away. And I think it would have been hilarious if they would have ruined that whole thing and have run Rob screaming and running down the ramp saying, bananas! <laughs> that have been funny if they would have edited that in or something like that. Scumbags. Scumbag. No, yeah, he, he, you would think that Rob's back neck would make a big stink upon leaving, but he didn't. He was super nice. Two bees, guys. Two bees. Two bees. Great quote for a great character. And yeah, Rob was one of those guys I didn't really appreciate at the time. I mean, he was kind of funny. I love some of his antics. I don't remember him being a particularly major character in my mind. No. Yeah, but he he really grows on you the more you watch Thailand. He really he was a unique a unique energy 
that you haven't seen a lot of in Survivor up to that point. You know, I wish we could find footage of the, you know, the the pre-jury vacation between him and Gandia. I want to see those two interact. <laughs> oh my god. That's how rough. Oh, wow. And of course, John and Tanya sleeping next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole lot of something else going on. We have round two of the sexy biting and uh, Ted's not involved. <laughs> oh, God. My God, Paul. You're that's horrible, like, Paul. Fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. I just love it. All right. So Rob's gone, which is sad. And this whole episode is about Rob. And what's funny is that they do show you the reconciliation of Rob, how he, you know, is completely on the outs with his tribe, completely on edge, his fight with Ken at the beginning. And then we see him coming together. We see the tribe coming together. He comes with peace. He has a really nice vote out. It's a really good thing. But all this is, you know, shoved aside because we are in episode seven. Yes. A ridiculously good episode. And it's good because this is a twist of all twists. I'm telling you now. This is fantastic. And it's... A, it's- this is an episode that I think is misunderstood by a lot of people, so I'm glad we're getting into this one. No, this is good. And, and, and what, what kicks off the episode, what, why you know this is going to be a good episode, is that they get body paint. <laughs> yeah. That's always a good I, thing. I, 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 I don't remember a lot of specifics about that scene. Just whenever I think of Thailand, I, I picture Ted in that insane gold head. I was just going to say, Ted the ridiculously weird Oscar statue. Yeah, I know. He looks like he should be in like the movie Immortals or something, flying around in bullet time. <laughs> so what, what happens is they get each tribe, you know, there's, there's what, five people in each tribe now, um, right? Yeah, yes. we're yes. even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're even. Five people in each tribe. And so the tribe gets, in the tree mail, they get body paint uh, in five different colors. And the, and the tree mail just basically says, one of you pick a color, don't don't you know you can't use multiple colors just pick one color and decorate yourself and come to the place when you're told to and so they 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 pick colors and and stuff like that and you know most people are just putting you know like brian kind of makes himself like an orange beard or some crap and you know they're kind of just doing like weird tribally looking streaks and patterns like ken kind of they make a little police badge on him and he's blue for a cop and all that sort of stuff and ted picks gold and ted's like i have the greatest idea i'm gonna make myself like gold gold member yeah i know didn't isn't that how the lady died in goldfinger yeah cover yourself in paint and you suffocate suffocate in paint he made himself like an oscar statue like ted is just this you know big bald dude and he was like i'm gonna take my huge dome and i'm just gonna gold it all that's fantastic i also remember helen looking like the joker <laughs> yeah helen looks creepy in this thing not yeah. a good not a good look like she does purple all up purple. and down the side yeah. of her face but yeah. yeah she looks like the, like a heath ledger <laughs> i thought she looked like oscar the baby bat <laughs> similar yes by the way did you notice in this challenge when they they paint each other and they pair up with someone on the other tribe Every pair is boy-girl. It's male and female in every single pair. It's just an odd little quirk that that happened. I didn't know that. How interesting. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So they get, to the, they get to the place, and then Jeff's like, we have a fun little basket for, some, for, for you guys. And basically how it is is you're just going to get to know someone on the other tribe, and you've picked it by having the colors that you've chosen. So, like, uh, you know, Clay and Sheehan both had red, and so they got to go and talk. And their basket was they got to go to the Chewy Gone camp. And I think Helen and Ken got yes. to go to the Sukjai camp. And then the other three just got to go somewhere and talk. And uh, uh, I, I forgot who picked gold for Sukjai, but you know, having to stare at Ted for the whole time had just got to be. Aaron. Was it Aaron? Yeah, I think it was Aaron. Uh, yeah, Ted lucked out with Aaron. Good for him. 
<laughs> so so they go and 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 Brian is trying to you know bond with someone. That's always fun. Which he does Who's well because he's, he's with Penny, right? With Penny, Brian gets Penny, yeah. and they're they're just going, and it's great. And uh, Clay goes with with uh, Sheehan, and what's great is that you know Sheehan was like, I was just gonna sit there and. Uh, and, 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 and suss it out, but then Shan basically spills the entire soup jai guts to Clay, and Clay's just sitting there going, Well, golly. Hellfire. Hellfire. So, you know. Yeah, and, this is one of those scenes that, you know, Shan gets a lot of crap. People love to crap on her, but this is just basic human psychology, and I think this gets overlooked a lot in Survivor history that Shan has been totally shunned and excluded by her tribe. Now, whether that's her fault or their fault, it's not really the issue it's just this is how she has felt for so long and she sits there and she has someone who just doesn't hate her and all she wants is someone to listen to her and to hear her feelings so a lot of people say well she ends a horrible player you know that wasn't good strategy but like this is one of those things where strategy isn't everything in survivor this is basic human needs where you have all these anger and hurt feelings built up and you finally have a friend to talk to and it just comes out and that wasn't strategy at all. That's just the way that human beings work. And I think it's Sheehan kind of gets a lot of crap for that, that she shouldn't. And I think people unfairly uh, shit on her for, for some of the things that she's going to do in this episode as well. The episode title is called Assumptions. And I think that, that Survivor Thailand as a whole, I think Paul hit on something really interesting in the previous podcast. And that was Thailand kind of broke the mold on some of the Survivor things. You know, the first challenge, you know, is usually having to carry fire somewhere. Not so much with Thailand. You know, they're breaking some sort of the, uh, sort of the traditions kind of along the way. You know, Jeff asks if people wants to switch tribes. You know, that's something that's really weird. Uh, and, and, and even with the Denver Diva vote, that we've talked about already today where Clay votes out Gandhi and he calls it bye-bye Denver Diva. And Jeff stops tribal council and says, I don't know what this vote means. And Clay has to explain the vote. And Jeff, Jeff's like, for now on, write a name. Like he's actually establishing something that is going to be important for all the rest of the Survivor seasons. This is the fifth season of Survivor. We have completed 25 seasons of Survivor. You know, and that's a rule that we all know now. Write someone's frickin' name down or a very well-known nickname and don't do all this kind of bullcrap going on with it. And with episode seven, this this is now basically the seeds of the fake merge. And, you know, they had no idea that there was going to be a fake merge. And everyone's like, ah, ha, ha, Sheehan got faked out by the fake merge. It's like, you would have too. There's no precedence for this. And, yeah. and, and this is what we're going. We've, we've, we're, we're now getting to know everyone. They got to go to each camp. And then Jeff gets everyone together at the end. And he's like, hey, how was your time? And, you know, he kind of asks everyone some, you know, kind of fun questions. And then he says, you know, hey, you're all going to live on the same beach. Which beach is it going to be? They choose the cave because they're not stupid. <laughs> and he's like, all right, you're all going to go on the beach. And, you know, he doesn't say drop your buffs, we are merged or something like that. But he says that in all the previous seasons now because everyone knows because of Thailand, you got to hear the words. But he's like, two tribes are going to live on one beach. Like, what are you going to assume? Like, everyone jumps down Xi'an's throat. It's like they all were fooled. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's and easy you look to at say it, twenty seasons later of all the stuff they've pulled that you should be suspicious of that. But especially if these are people who, you know, it was not a time in in Survivor history where you could even rewatch seasons and stuff. So it's not like people would be would be on the season and be like, well, in the past he's already he's given he gave the buffs right away. So the fact that we don't have our buffs yet must mean something's up. So yeah, I agree, it's completely ridiculous to get on anyone's case for falling for it. Yeah, and if you look at it the other way, like. 
if if they had merged, that was probably a good move on her part. <laughs> so I don't think it was a bad move at all. She just got, I mean, it was kind of a nasty trick that the producers pulled on her. And, you know, it sucks, but that's just what happened. Right. And she doesn't right away. Like, it's 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 kind of how it goes. Like, they, Jeff's like, hey, you're all going to now live on, on one beach. Your stuff, Sukjai, will go to the Chewigon Beach. So they go to the Chewigon Beach. They all kind of get together. They kind of, you know, and then and then there's a feast. Isn't there a feast waiting for them? Yeah, yeah, and if I recall, there's some certain music that plays during that feast. Oh my God, people! We have already we've we've already hinged on the fact that one of our favorite pieces of music happened in Survivor Australia, and it was the Jeff eats Doritos music. It's not just when Jeff eats Doritos. Jeff Varner, by the way, in case people don't remember. Yeah, not Jeff Probst. Yeah, it's where Varner's eating the Doritos and dancing, and they have this almost hip hop uh, up tempo version of the Survivor theme. And I, I can't sing it and do it justice, but it only happened in Australia. And then all of a sudden, it inexplicably randomly shows up again at a Thailand feast. So Thailand's good. It's got the Jeff Varner eating Doritos. I believe it's the outro in one, in one of our, in our Australia pod, right? Like yes, that is correct. Yes. That music. It's happening during the Thailand feast. They get the feast with the crackers and the wine. And Jan goes way overboard with the wine. And that's freaking great. <laughs> yes, that's just how Jan do. I mean, not much more to say about that one. That's just how Jan do. But I will say for Thailand, they did start a horrible trend because they believe they merged and they're like, we need a name for our merge. And they do the super original. Let's combine our tribe names. Yeah, that's stupid. Come on, people. Put some put a, a hundred and a million percent effort into coming up with a name. A hundred, a hundred thousand million percent. To take Chewy Gon and Suk Jai and create Chewy Jai. <laughs> yes. They came up with that and Rob wasn't even there to help them come up with that. That's some lazy stuff. But they get, they get the feast, they get the wine, and then uh, do they get to night at this point? Is, is Brian singing drunk at this point? Or is this and late? we get a tumble from Jan. Woo! I've waited a long time for this. Oh, Jan, she's fall down drunk, and Paul loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, she falls on her face, doesn't she? Like, it's a plant. it is a face plant, isn't it? Yeah, well, then we get these interviews from Aaron, who, like, you know, we used to talk about how boring we thought their camp was, and we would have never imagined it was like this. Yes, Jan takes a tumble, and Brian sings drunk. Yeah, I gotta say, there's two quotes in this episode where... I've often written in the past that I kind of compare Brian to a sociopath. Like, he's not really a human being. He's just doing an impression of a human being. And there's a great quote in this one where he gets drunk, and the next morning he says, you know, it's good. I can, I can make everyone think, everyone else think that I'm one of them. And I love that quote. That's such a sociopath quote. Like, you know, for a couple hours, they, they, they thought I was a human just like they were. It was great. Classic Brian. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yes, so they, they have they have a they have a drunken revelry at night. They wake up and then the scheming starts. And it starts with Xi'an. And Xi'an basically is like, you know what? Sukjai sucks to me. I'm gonna flip on them. I wanna vote out Penny. You know, and one thing we didn't touch on in the even right before we we even get the body paint this episode is we get a lot of attention about Ken talking to Xi'an about how they don't trust Penny. Penny, you know, it's been up to no good and, and ken even says you know i can picture exactly how she was like in high school so we kind of go into this episode thinking okay well you know jake and because we talked about previously how it's really kind of unclear 
where the alliances break down in Sukja, and what we've seen is we've seen Aaron make some comments about Xi'an, but we never have really seen Penny and Xi'an not particularly get along, not get along until this episode. But we do see Xi'an, you know, having somewhat of a good relationship with Jake, which we kind of knew, and with Ken. So, you know, going into this episode, you know, they really established from the beginning that that Xi'an is not hot on Penny, which obviously plays out very importantly in these next few scenes. And like you said, you never actually see that. It's all one of these where other people are just talking about it. Right. Yeah, it's very much like uh, Laura and Shambo, as we'll see in Samoa. It's mentioned over and over how Laura is horrible to Shambo, but you never actually see an, an, an incident of it happening. Right. You know, they keep talking about how, like, you know, Penny is this, Penny is that. We don't see a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's kind of a forced edit. And it's it's particularly interesting in this episode. I just noticed when I was watching this one the other day is that for some reason, Aaron suddenly becomes the narrator of the season. She has like 10 confessionals in this one episode. It's the oddest little switch all of a sudden. Like, since when is Aaron telling us everything that's going on? It's just odd. It is odd. It, you know, it, it's tough. And I, and I think that it, it adds to the complexity of we don't know quite the breakdown of, of Sukjai because, yeah. because Paul's right. You know, we do get Sheehan talking. You know, she, we know that she's on decent terms with Jake and she talks with Ken uh, uh, quite a bit. But, you know, the way this episode shakes out, and I, I even think it, it doesn't even it doesn't even go down to the fact that, you know, they all thought Xi'an was 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 flipping on their tribe. Like, I think that, you know, if had Sukjai gone to tribal council, like and there wasn't even a fake merge, like they just were on separate beaches. They had a challenge. Sukjai loses. They go to tribal council. I think probably Xi'an goes. And, yeah. you know, what's tough is that, you know, we, we kind of are led to believe that she's on good terms with a couple people in the tribe. And I think she is. And, you know, they're trying, you know, they're like, well, you know, that Penny, she's not super trustworthy, but it just, Penny's safe. She's within those people. And it's just really weird. Yeah, there's no, I mean, that's like you said, all you really know is that Sheehan's probably gone next. But if you look at the relationship logically, it should have been a really tight vote because, like you said, Sheehan was tight with Ken and with, uh, uh, with, uh, Jake. Jake, yeah. Or whatever you call him, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) No. Oh boy, failed. <laughs> yeah, so uh so yeah, it's just an odd episode. But yeah, like you said, Sheehan would have gone home next anyway. So the fake merge really alters nothing in the game whatsoever. So that yeah, was a big moment, it was a fun moment, but this episode doesn't change a whole lot in the season other than the season really comes down to one immunity challenge. Whoever wins this one is gonna win the game. Chewie Gone wins. They might have won it anyway, even without a fake merge. So I mean I doubt anything really changed with this episode. And what happened to that immunity challenge? You know, just in the grand scheme of things, this is this is the this is the you know they're in a they're in a prison. They've all you know shackled in some way, and then they have to you know use string and 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 sticks and create poles and kind of fetch keys and get them. Like that that challenge isn't that, that was used quite a bit in the early stages of Survivor, and it's not used as much anymore. Yeah, and it's kind of a fun challenge. It's it's one of those that anybody can win. It's really just a matter of how well can you tie knots on those sticks. Which apparently Brian can do, because Brian, like, just owned that challenge. Yeah. I will say one thing. It was kind of sad that they didn't use this challenge in season one, because Richard really could have used it to escape from jail. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of ironic. That's like the one season they didn't use the escape from prison challenge. We Uh, love you, Richard, by the way. (laughs) Paul said that joke, not me. That's good. (laughs) Sent all hate mail to paulosselson at montana.com. 
Unless you want to send pity email to Dave Fisher, because he could use any email. Oh, man. I tell you. Inbox is just empty. Um, so, yes. But then we get the, the, fun, the fun scene where, you know, Sheehan's just like, you know what? I'm going to vote out Penny. We're all chewy, jai. Everything's great. And they get to the reward or the, the immunity challenge. And Jeff's like, are you guys ready? And they're like, yeah. You know, this, this merge has gone great. And Jeff's like, I didn't say anything about a merge. Remember who who was the person that says it and Jeff corrects her? Was it Aaron? Aaron. It's a, uh-huh. once again our narrator for the episode, Aaron. That's that's the one way that Aaron will be remembered. Whenever they want to, you know, reference the fake merge, they you get some yeah. Aaron in there saying, "I would have never expected that our merge would have gone as smoothly as it had." You said merge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I certainly didn't say anything to give you that impression, did I? Wow! <laughs> Shut up, Sheehan. You know what's funny is if they, you know they filmed that scene for about twenty minutes and Jeff asked, asked each person individually, "What do you think about what happened?" And he had to keep doing it until someone actually said the word "merge." I'm guessing Aaron wasn't the first person who said it. I mean, he wasn't the first person they asked. Yeah, you know that they asked some leading questions. Yeah, Jake, what did you think about the thing we just did? Jake's like, "Well, the feast was fun." It's like Clay, what do you think about what just happened? Clay's like, "Well, hellfire, Jan fell down." Aaron, what just happened? So, guys, there's a word. Um, you know, if, if you've got a slow song, like a, like, like a funeral, you call it a dirge. <laughs> yes. Do you know any words that rhyme with that that may apply to what you think may have happened at this certain time? Brian, any, any comments? Brian's like, well, I was talking to my good friend Hurling Freddy last night. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my all-time favorite Brian quotes because it's it's – Again, it's like a, a, a robot or an alien trying to imitate how humans talk. Like, no one says Hurling Freddy. What the hell is that? Oh, Brian. Brian. You're so fun. So, yes. Jeff's like, no, it's no merge. You guys are just living on a beach. Sheehan looks around like, oh, well, I was probably screwed anyway. So, this is great. Exactly. She wasn't screwed if it actually were a merge because then she could flip but and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, if, if, if it remains tribes and they're on separate beaches and, and Suk Jai loses, Sheehan's probably the next out anyway. So, yeah, she was toast. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, everyone thinks Sheehan got herself voted out. I'm like, nah, Sheehan was going home next anyway, so it really made no difference. At least, at least she went down and put up a fight. Yeah, basically what this changed is that Suk Jai was going to vote Sheehan out and feel kind of bad about it. <laughs> yeah. And now they voted Sheehan out and felt less bad about it. Pretty much, <laughs> Jay has hit the nail on the head. Well done. Well done. So yes, Chewigon wins the 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 prison challenge, the the Richard Hatch Memorial Challenge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. You watch that challenge, and like Chewigon wins by quite a bit, if I recall. It's not really that close. Yeah. And you just watch it. You like, well, I guess Brian just won Survivor. And I, even at the time when I was watching it, I remember thinking that, like, hey, Brian just won Survivor. All right, there you go. Brian has a, a good run here. You know, uh, uh, he he wins this challenge, and then in episode eight, and the next one, he you know is fantastic at the at the snorkel challenge as well. So you know, Brian is kind of showing some dominance here. At least, and he's starting to get super cocky too. This is where all his confessionals start. Like Mikasa Sukasa, all these people are in my home now. I have the home field yeah. advantage. Like he gets really cocky right around here. Oh yeah, and and uh, in, in in episode eight, I believe he has another. Uh, Another, you know, he, episode eight. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but episode eight is is the is the episode where he gives the, you know, it's back to the primitive instincts of women cooking and cleaning. 
you know, and, and, and tending nest and, and the men go out and hunt and, you know, more, more sexist kind of quotes. I mean, Brian is just in his element right now. <laughs> yes. He's firing at all, all sexist cylinders at this point. <laughs> all sexist cylinders of Brian. Like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, what's funny, this, what's particularly funny about this episode is Chu, uh, Sukjai loses the immunity challenge. And I don't think there's even a single discussion scene at that point. It's like, right to tribal council so they can vote Xi'an out. Like it's, it's, so obvious what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I think there is a, a, a thing, but I think it's just Ken saying to Xi'an, like, yeah, it's probably you now. You probably <laughs> have done it's that. It's not even any misdirection. <laughs> <laughs> and then Xi'an goes to tribal council, and then Xi'an does a, does a thing where she basically says to them, which, which, which is funny in all ways, because Xi'an basically says, keep me and vote out Penny, because I've made some inroads with the other tribe. And, you know, if, <laughs> if, if I don't come back and Penny comes back, you're basically going to let them know something and it's not good for you so shan's basically saying you'll probably get pagonged if you vote me out tonight but it's like if one of you is going home that night it's going to be five four and uh probably a paganging's happening anyway so uh way to sound wise buddy yeah i mean she puts up a good fight but then i mean she can do so i don't i don't think she was a bad player i don't think she was a good player she was in a horrible situation she did the only played the only card she had available and it didn't work and Good for her, but that was that. I mean, that was the end of the game. That's where she was going home. Yes. Any 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 more eulogizing of Sheehan, Paul? I mean, I um, I feel like I feel like we we stuck up for Sheehan in a lot of places in this podcast, and then we also were very realistic about Sheehan. I will state on the record that I do love Sheehan, and um, you know, we'll talk about how I think she's even a better character the second time she comes around. So. I mean, obviously, like like Mario said, if so many people have a problem with you, there probably is something that you do to get on people's nerves. Doesn't mean that from a television standpoint you can't love her. So I, uh, I always will be a huge, uh, huge Sheehan fan. Okay, to follow up on that, Paul, do you think she should have been on All Stars? Um, well, we could we could talk about this when we get to All Stars. I I do not think I think she's definitely on one of the, on the. You know, you're you're skirting the edge here of possible all-star, you know, spots. And if you're going to talk about, there probably were people who definitely earned a spot over her. Um, I'm thinking of a particular female from the season, but I do not think that her spot on all-stars is as bad as maybe someone picked from Survivor of the Astro and Outback. So that's getting really <laughs> into the details of stuff. Yeah, we'll get. Well, I'm sure we'll have plenty to say on that once we get there. Yeah, it's. I like Xi'an. I wasn't the biggest Xi'an fan at the time. I thought she was a little overrated. She was really, really popular on the message boards. And I'm, I always think, why? Like, <laughs> everyone didn't like her. Like, why is everyone, all the fans like her? But when you watch it, she does have a lot of entertainment value. She wasn't nearly as unlikable or as bad a player as people would have you believe. She was, she was a good character. She was a fun character. And again, I always have to point out, she was the first Asian player in Survivor history, which was a big deal. So... I mean, she was kind of a trailblazer in a way. So, yeah, I, I have respect for Xi'an. I appreciate what she brought to the season. Although, I will say this, when my, wa- when my wife watches uh, Thailand, she points out that Xi'an talks in Proverbs. Every time something yeah, happens, really. Xi'an has a wise little saying about it or some lesson proverb. Yeah, and then what's, her, what's the, the last thing we've ever heard Xi'an say on the show, you know, aside from the reunion show, is all-stars, those in glass houses should not yeah. throw stones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my wife's like, I know this sounds racist, but she ends a fortune cookie. Uh-huh. She just throws out fortunes. <laughs> That's all she does. She's, a wise she man once said, <laughs> a, f- yes. a wise man says far too little, but a fool says far too much. <laughs> so true. Yes. 
So there you, you will, go. When you you will not Shia, see my cookie. you will not see my tatas. Oh, <laughs> exactly. I just got a fortune today and a fortune cookie that said that. <laughs> I would not show my tatas. Shean, yeah, I I think that I think that we've eulogized her pretty well. Shean, I feel got a good a good rap in Thailand in the sense that she she had confessionals and some of her confess a lot of her confessionals were very insulting is not the right word but she was criticizing uh some of her fellow tribe mates and you know some of that's not all that great and we did see scenes where she is you know arguing with rob and and kind of you know getting into uh issues on sukjai but shean was kind of a voice of reason at least with confessionals and 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 so she got a, a good rep i think with survivor just on that everyone just kind of goes oh shean you know she was real hot-headed blah, blah 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 but when she was giving a confessional she usually was saying the truth kind of hey things aren't going well right now or she would kind of say one of those sorts of things and and i guess you know is is she going to be an all-star i think that's a great question and I know we're going to talk about selection of all-stars as it is. And uh, I don't think that, you know, the fact that she's the only member of Survivor Thailand to be represented in a further season, I think is a travesty. And I don't think it's really a fault on Shean. I just think that, you know, yeah. they could have had some other things. And I know that there were some issues with Brian and stuff like that. But, you know, if you were to bring people back from Thailand, I think Shean makes that top tier of people that you would probably bring back. So... It's weird, you know. I, I think that probably, as Paul said, I think that probably you you would instinctually bring back some other people uh, on All Stars ahead of Shean. But Shean got out there, and unlike some other people, maybe some people even from Survivor Borneo that came back in uh, Survivor All Stars, Shean actually had a real good performance and was a real good character in Survivor All Stars. I enjoyed her on that season. So well done to you. Yeah, I agree. She was one of my favorites in All Stars, and I. I wasn't expecting that at all, but she, yeah, she had some really good moments in that season. And sad to say, she's one of the few who had lots of good moments in that season. She's maybe one of the only few whose reputation got better because of All Stars. Take note, people. Mario used All Stars and favorites in the same sentence. Yeah, I'm going to edit that together so it's just like All Stars is my favorite season. <laughs> I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> I want to sexy bite it. I am not going to sexy bite all stars, you bastard. You're going to make him say love not, it, not, love it. Look, made it so easy. I'll just take out the knot. I am going to sexy bite all stars. You're, you're going to make him say love it, love it, love it. Did he turn into Max Headroom? Holy crap. <laughs> Paul doesn't know who that is. He's too no, young. No idea. <laughs> wow. Max Headroom joke. People, we are in uncharted territory. K-Pax, Max Headroom. I should point out that it's 3.30 in the morning where Jay is right now when we're recording this. Jay is so loopy right so now. So if you can't understand what we're saying, that's why. Uh, he's like he's like Russell Swan right when he hit his head on that challenge. He's so loopy right now. Damn, this sucks. All right. It's whack. It's whack. <laughs> do we want to do episode eight? I think we should stop now. It's been two hours. Yeah, we can, yeah. We can lump because I, th- I think... We picked up speed. We did four episodes this time, and uh, I think luckily for us, one well, by the time we tackle the next set of episodes, there's you know those three of three of these next ep or four actually four we can are a little bit easier to lump together and get through. So yeah, we got it. We got to get to the end, and I think we're gonna have a lot of talk about just the end and about Brian and Clay and kind of uh, how all that shakes out. So I think that'll take a quite a bit of our time, but I think we can kind of speed through these next episodes. Not that they're bad. But, you know, the writing is on the wall now. We've hit the fake merge. 
Sukjai has lost. People... Yeah, the rest of the season, basically, Brian wins, Brian wins, Brian wins, Brian wins. That's how it goes. Yeah. With We're... a CC hide it cameo. With a CC hide it cameo. So part three of Survivor of Survivor Historians Thailand Podcast is going to be CC Heidek and Brian winning. And we're going to talk about those things quite a bit. Everything else just kind of lumps in there. And maybe some Jake love. I don't know. It's funny. If Jordan was listening to this podcast, he heard the name CC and he already popped a boner. That's how excited he is for the next part of the podcast. You can just see it. You can just see his face just light up. <laughs> yes. So yeah, so we get plenty to say about CC in the upcoming episodes. One of my all-time favorite survivor npcs which is a DD term for non-player character one of my all-time favorite survivor npcs well don't forget helen's husband too i mean it's a double whammy oh helen's husband the most whipped person ever <laughs> this is gonna be amazing <laughs> all right maybe we won't rush to the next episodes <laughs> now maybe this will be a four-parter who knows no it, it won't be a four-parter but but basically we're outlining what we're going to be talking a lot of so if you have other things that you want us to kind of work in there, too freaking bad because we've got an agenda, folks. Yeah, no, just email so Jay if you have any suggestions. And then also put some nice smiley faces and say, you're doing great. Shut up. <laughs> God, just shut up. What the hell? <laughs> well, no, I guess, Jay, you brought us here. You might as well sign us off. This is your show now. This is my show now. Oh, my God. So we went from sexy biting to Xi'an eating gizzards and baby bats. What else have we covered this episode? Banana etiquette. Life's good. Anyway. <laughs> we covered nothing of significance. There was lots of swimming. There was lots of swimming. So hopefully we'll find our boat in the future. And if we do, then you're all screwed. I'm Jay Fisher. I'm Mario Lanza. And uh, I enjoyed this podcast as much as a warm bottle of piss. This is Paul <laughs> Oslison. And for the Survivor Historians, we have to say, See ya! Wouldn't want to be ya! American! Oh, children! We got mayo! Alright, we got mayo. Can y'all hear me? What does it say? What's in there? 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 200, 300. I brought the bank. I don't know what the note said. $800, $1,000 in $20 bills. American? American. It's got to be. That's what she's counting. And what else does it say? American, right here. Well, hell fire, we know that. What else does the note say? What, what does it say? What does it say? A pool of money, lots to eat. It's time to haggle, prep to compete. Know when to bid, know when to hold. Food in your bellies, better than gold. I'm not betting a thing. I'm out of here. <laughs> it's buying food. It's an auction, buying food. It's a gambling thing. No, sure. Y'all are